Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Ricky Extravaganza. That is the Allman Brothers Whipping Post, one of the best songs of all times, or as my good friend Bill refers to it, 70s porn music. Uh, (laughs) So I said, well, you know what? That's fitting. It's fitting no matter what, because this porn time in Dynasty football right now, it's the NFL draft, and this is where we all should be getting excited. I don't want to get this... uh, the show started on a completely wrong note right off the bat. Might be too late, but uh, I am Burgundy uh, Di- uh, D- Dynasty Dan on Twitter. Dan Hines from Dynasty Football Warehouse. I'm jacked to be here today, guys. You know, this is the one show I super I look forward to every single year. Um, we do two hours of rookie breakdowns. We got a couple weeks before the draft. I mean, it is time to get our ducks in a row. And I could not do it without the help of these two gentlemen on the phone with me, Sir William Servey, Bill Servey, another partner over at DFW. How are you doing today, man? you excited? Excellent, Dan. Really excited to be here with you and Josh to talk some rookies. It's only a couple weeks away. Yeah, man. Uh, do you do anything fun or exciting for the draft? What's your What's your um, draft day routine? I pretty much am... Stop by my television, documenting every single pick, loving every single minute of it. Usually, there's a some type of cocktail involved, but other than that, there's usually nothing too major going on, like Christmas for me. Sure, yeah, for sure, it is. It's like a it's like a Christmas present every, you know, ten minutes. So that's cool. Um, and my uh, my other. Uh, Rookie, rookie wonk today, and usually the in in my chair of the DFW Pulse um, is uh, Josh Johnson, our co-host with Nick Wagner on our Wednesday podcast, the DFW Dynasty Pulse. Uh, he gets to just call in and kick back, and he's probably drinking because he's been up for about fifteen minutes now. So, how you doing, Josh? Uh, I've been up since six thirty. I got I got kids in school, but. Oh, okay. uh, uh, I, I'm so you're drunk, great. then. Uh, I'm Jack, Jack, to be here, echo both of your guys' statements. Uh, I got to say, as a fan of the NFL draft, you know, my, my whole life, and now being a fantasy writer for the last handful of years here, and uh, finally now on staff at DFW, like you said, this is our uh, our porn. This is our Christmas present, uh, wh- whatever you want to call it. This is this is where we shine. This is what we most uh, to. Uh, Get ready for it. So I mean, I spent the last three weeks just watching film until all night, all hours of the night, and I enjoyed every minute of it. So I am super jacked to be here. Yeah, man, you've been you've been cramming. I mean, you've you've been on Twitter like a madman, throwing out tidbits uh, left and right. Uh, Make sure Mm. you guys uh, follow these guys on Twitter as well. Um, they know what they're talking about, and uh, we're going to try to help you out with uh, our ideas of what the top rookies are at each offensive position over the next couple hours. We're also going to have a really special guest. Um, I will introduce him a little later in the show, but uh, uh, he's going to be coming on near the end to discuss our top 10 to 12 IDP guys as well, just the overall defensive rookies that you can uh, be targeting as well. So just a quick uh, rundown of what we're going to be dealing with today as far as the format goes. Really straightforward. We're going to keep this nice and simple so we can get in as many rookies as we possibly can. We're going to just work backwards. We're going to cover five quarterbacks, five tight ends. Uh, Then we're going to go into the meat and potatoes of the draft, which is the running backs. We're going to cover our top ten at that position. And then we're going to finish up with the wide receivers as well. Same format. 
just a roundtable discussion of everybody's top ten. Uh, we'll be picking each other apart if uh, we deem necessary. Uh, we'll be asking questions about uh, things maybe we don't see eye to eye on when we look and scout at these players. I mean, that is the beauty of it. So um, at the end of the day, we all have to trust our guts, our eyes, our instincts. And uh, if you don't have any of those things, then listen to us. So, um, all right. So without any further ado, uh, I say we at least lay the ground rules for this thing. So uh, Now, before we we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. Of course. And that's it. All right. Can you guys handle that? Oh, yeah. Uh, great great movie, too. I don't know if I can handle that. Uh, as my wife will show you, I touch my hair all the time. But uh, that's a different <laughs> different subject for a different day. Uh, Dan, what right. I do want to say before we All go right. forward, as you as you mentioned, you could follow everybody here on Twitter. Um, if you if you're watching this on Blog Talk or listening to this on Blog Talk, everybody's name is hot in that write up. So just click on their name and give us a follow, please. Thanks. Perfect. Thanks, Josh. Uh, you can find us at DynastyFootballWarehouse.com as well. Uh, we got everybody on the homepage uh, with hyperlinks to their Twitter page. Uh, so feel free to go over there as well. All right, so we're going to jump right into the rookie quarterbacks. We're going to start with our top ten overall, and we're going to start with Bill and then Josh and myself, and we're going to go around and give everybody our number five-ranked quarterback in this draft uh, as of right now. Now, I just want to preference this by saying, you know, this is an important time if you do your own rankings, if you do your own scouting and things like that. This is your baseline rookie, you know, rookie ranks. This is your talent. This is what you are seeing. We still have a huge factor to play in, and these rankings are most definitely going to change because you can't deny the opportunity and the depth chart situations and the situational factors that we're going to have to play in uh, to this big equation in a couple weeks. But it's going to be interesting to see how this changes. So this is a a show you may even want to bookmark. Uh, We'll come back after the draft, and we'll probably do this again and see how those rookies are changed. So, without further ado, Billiam, who is your number five ranked quarterback this year currently? Well, currently, well said, Dan, because obviously the impact will be huge when these guys get drafted. But I have been vacillating back and forth on two guys. I have Brett Huntley right, right now as my number five, but Sean Mannion has been going back and forth in my rankings. They both played in pro-style offenses. Um, I think Hunley has good size for the position, got good experience in the pro offense, like I mentioned. Um, You know, he does have some experience going through the progressions, which I think will help him acclimate a little quicker to the NFL. Um, He's tough. He's crafty. He's got a decent arm, solid throwing motion. Um, Not really sure, you know, about his pocket presence. He does look like he stands tall at times, and other times he takes his eyes off downfield and seems to run a little bit too early. Um, I've got a couple issues with the, uh, things with him. Um, I, yeah, like I said, he's really slow to read the defense pre-snap. I'm, I, the more I watch, the more I'm concerned that it c- plays catch him by surprise. Um, and he's benefited from the offensive style with a lot of play action as well. Um, so that's pretty much where I'm at. I think all these guys are backups. I, I don't see Hunley maybe manning if he lands in a perfect situation, but a lot of these other quarterbacks are just NFL backups. Yeah. Um, uh, well, let's just let's just go around and then we can kind of ask questions. Um, who do you have, um, Josh, as your number five right now? 
Uh, number five, I got Garrett Grayson, um, and I just because it's it's me, it's me, and who I am, it's what I do. I have a a player, player, excuse me, a player comparison for everybody too. Some of them are way deep into the 1970s too, so bear with me. Uh, but uh, not on this one. Uh, well, a little late here, but I got uh, Garrett Grayson at number five. Uh, my comparison, I, I like. I think he's got some big bad elements to his game. I don't think he's going to be as good as Ben Roethlisberger, but I think he just has that element of how he's able to feel the pocket really well and feel it collapsing and, and that escapability factor. Um, um, I also think I see a little Brian Sipe in him. That's a little early 80s Cleveland Browns there for you. Um, but great anticipation. Um, feels the pocket collapsing well, like I said. He's a great all-around passer. He has nice touch, you know, on the short game and the long game. Um, some weaknesses I see in him is he eyeballs his top target. I mean, all the time. I don't know who their number one wide receiver is there, but he must be awesome or the only person they have on that team. But he, I, as soon as that ball is snapped, he is looking one eye at that guy the whole time. That was a big knock on Carson Palmer when he came out that he bird-dogged his top receiver. So if you want to get, throw that comparison in there, too, as somebody who did that in college, maybe maybe that's a fair a gift, gift there, too. Um he also tucks the runs a little bit too soon, but maybe that's because he only really had one true top option. Uh, but he does have the the ability to actually, you know, run and get yards, and he doesn't put himself in a bad position either. He's usually running out of bounds or sliding sliding or whatnot. So that's, that's who I have at number five, Gary Grayson, Colorado. So, so Bill, you had you had Hunley and, Josh, you had Grayson. Um, I, think, I think we're all in agreement that basically after the top two, you are going to be struggling to see these guys in a starter role, at least initially. Um, I'm with uh, Josh on this one. I got Garrett Grayson as well, and I actually was ready to bump him ahead of uh, Bryce Petty, who is my number four. I might as well just throw that out there. I was watching him again last night, and I, you're right. I, he, all these guys have some work to do, but the thing I really like about Grayson is exactly what you said about his pocket awareness, Josh. I really like how he manages the pocket. He's not a fast guy. He's not really a mobile guy. And I think what I saw was the reason he's pulling it down and running a lot is his offensive line sucked. Um, I didn't see enough. I didn't see enough uh, game tape to know whether that was just because everyone was keying in on the passing game because they weren't a very successful running team and teams were keying off on them, or if they're just their offensive line just sucked. But what was fun watching that was seeing how Grayson performed under pressure. And more often than not, he made some pretty interesting throws that I kind of was like, all right, all right, you know, this guy this guy is the one. He's kind of like, you know, Garoppolo last year in the sense that, you know, if he can, if he can get behind a Tom Brady, if he can get behind a Drew Brees, if he can get behind – you know, a quarterback for a couple of years and learn the system. I think he could, I think you could see this kid popping up in a couple of years. Uh, he's probably going to slide up my rankings a little bit. Um, I currently have Bryce Petty um, in number four. I mentioned that already. Um, I'm not, he reminds me of like a less polished version of Blake Bortles, who I was never high on to begin with last year either. Um, so I, I, I don't think I'm going to have any problem switching those two around going into our final rankings pre-draft here. Um, I just I, – I'm not a big Petty, petty fan. I mean, I like, I like his downfield ball. The guy's got a cannon. There's no question about it. And he can uh, – his accuracy downfield I was very, very impressed with. 
On the other side, I was not impressed with his uh, mid-range accuracy or when he was forced out of the pocket. Um, he seems to throw with his arm a little too much and not so much with his wrist, so I didn't really see the touch passes that you saw out of a Grayson. Everything is just kind of, you know, big and strong, and, like, there's only one speed uh, with with Petty. Um, I know others are a lot higher on her than, than, uh, than me, so I'll just pass it over to Bill here and see what uh, see who your number four is. Uh, just to recap what you guys had just said, I have Garrett Grayson at number four. I just moved him to four um, after Mike Mayock did. I'm a big Mike Mayock, and um, when he makes a move like that, I went through his reasonings, and it seemed solid enough, so I actually moved him up. I'm a little bit concerned about his footwork. I, You know, he seems indecisive in the pocket. There's just things about his game. Again, these are all backups, so we're just nitpicking. So I'm going to move on to number – I have Bryce Petty at three. Um, like you said, Dan, he's got a, just an absolute rocket for an arm, but he is the definition of a raw quarterback. Um, he's tough, he's smart, he's athletic, he's a great leader on and off the field. He's got good size, uh, but, you know, he has no experience with three, five, seven-step drops. He played in a one-read passing system, very little progression work. Yep. Um, he'll definitely be a work in progress for the next couple of years. But of all the quarterbacks, I think Bryce Petty um, has the best chance, in my opinion anyway, to maybe possibly, if he lands in the right situation, develop into a starter. Nice. Um, yeah, I saw that too. I mean, that one read was obnoxious. I mean, I, I sat there. I felt like yelling at the defense, you know, like clearly he's going to throw it underneath you on a quick, you know, on a quick out. Like it's time to jump some of these routes. It was like 20 in a row, you know, it's just like the guy was never forced to really read a defense and that's going to get him into trouble. Yeah. Um, You got at four and you can even go into three, Josh. Um, At four, I have uh, Sean Mannion. Um, I I really like, uh, what he brings to the table. Uh, I think he's got, he's got the size. Uh, nice player comparisons, digging deep here. Um, I, I, see, I see a lot of Roman Gabriel in the throwing style. He's the Eagles oh, quarterback in the 70s. Oh, um, cool. Eagles when they used to wear white with the green green wing. But uh, uh, Rich, I see a little Rich Gannon and uh, Joe, Joe Flacco in him too. Maybe that's just the size thing. But I think he's got a big, accurate arm. He does kind of lack the escape ability. Um, and but but he does he does throw great on the run and that's one thing I wanted to point out about uh, Garrett Grayson is we didn't really have a chance to see at least in the film that I watched of him throwing on the run that's kind of what something I, I I would like to see out of him and see how accurate he is from there uh, back to Mannion uh, uses he uses his frame really well he plants his feet really well he understands footwork and he's, I think he just knows how to plan his feet properly for the throws. And he always adjusts his throws to the situation. I know that maybe kind of goes without saying, but when he does it with such, you know, accuracy, I, I just was impressed by that. Um, the drawbacks I have with Manning is he's not not much game speed. I mean, you know, Kurt Warner didn't have much game speed either, but I uh, need to check all his options before forcing the ball too. I think he, he had a couple nice targets there with Fierce for you and Mark for a few, few years in Marcus Sweeten and uh, Brandon Cooks, and he really forced the ball to those guys. And then we saw his numbers take a big hit last year without either one of those two guys. So that's, that's kind of a drawback I see there. But I he's kind of like, I feel like maybe like Logan Thomas was at this point last year, a guy that's certainly going to be a project, but I, I, I would never, you know, cancel him out as far as 
him getting the chance to see what he can do. I, I, will, I would love to see him get a chance. Um, and then I can I can roll you on number guys, three. I actually, you guys, go ahead. hey, one question on Mannion, because, I mean, this was something I noticed on him. I like Mannion, too, and I probably don't have him as high as I should. Um, I have him at eight. But the one thing that I was really concerned about, and again, like you said, we're nitpicking on all these because these guys are definitely going to be project quarterbacks. He seems to have a really long windup, and I know that's a really big red flag for NFL coaches. I mean, they want the ball out. They want it out quick. Did you guys notice at all? Um, Absolutely, yeah. You know, Josh, did you notice at all that he, he, he has a full, I mean, like a really slow, full, you know, arm release um, versus that quick flick um, of some of these other guys. Did any? Yeah, I think I did notice that too. And there's a, there was a couple plays that I saw where he took quite a hit too. And you know, if that's the if that's an NFL defense, he's not he's either not getting that ball out or or he's fumbling that ball. So. Okay. How about you, Bill? Did you notice that at all? Yeah, I, I think that's especially when you combine that with his lack of mobility, I think it's going to be a problem in the NFL, but it's coachable. All these guys are works in progress. Yeah. I mean, the quarterback's coach can break down his mechanics, shorten the delivery, work on his footwork. They're all, they all have glaring flaws in this area. It's a really weak class of quarterbacks. You know, normally there's more middle-tier guys, I think. This year it just seems to be uh, almost really cut and dry unless, you know, a player pops out like Brady that just completely comes out of nowhere. Um, but most of these guys have really serious flaws in either their lack of their playing style and, and their offense that they were in in college or just, you know, mechanic flaws as well. Yeah, totally agree. Who's your uh, Who's your third, Josh? Um, well, as, as far as I can get to number three here in a second, but as far as, you know, the weak quarterback class, I do agree with you guys. But I do I – didn't, I didn't put him in my rankings, but I just want to throw out the name Cody Fajarda out of uh, Nevada – I didn't watch a whole lot of film on him, but what I did watch, the guy's got absolute rocket. I don't know how that's going to translate or if he's another Colin Kaepernick type of player. He's not as mobile, but I, I like him. He's, he's kind of an intriguing guy that maybe a, maybe a third-day guy that might be somebody to watch. Uh, but my number three, I have okay. Brett Hundley. I think I'm pretty I'm pretty high on him compared to you guys. Um, I kind of view him somewhere between Randall Cunningham and Michael Vick, and I'm not just saying that because they're, they're, they're all black quarterbacks. I just I just I see the – See the mobility there. Um, I, I, he's got a, he's got an, a missile launcher for an arm. He does. Uh, the accuracy is, is a little bit of a struggle, but I think he's a little more agile than even Mariota. I think he's can can be a little more slippery. He's really slick under pressure. Um, he, you know, he can get out of it at least. He's got nice placement on the on the deep ball. Really, really good placement there, and he does have top notch speed. You know, Mariota ran the faster forty, but. Uh, you know, when the play breaks down, uh, he doesn't, you know, he gets out. He's usually, usually not getting himself hurt. So, um, the cons, the guy just looks like a skinny wide receiver. I don't really know how, if he's supposed to weigh 220 or that's what he's supposed to weigh, but I, I, I'd be surprised if he actually weighs that. I'm about his height, and I and I weigh about 200 pounds, and I, I certainly look heavier than him, but I'm also not in shape. So. Um, but just he looks like a skinny wide receiver. Um, needs to exercise patience, does tuck and run a little bit too much. Uh, slant pattern shows a lot of accuracy weakness, which is a very concerning because that's a nice a nice uh, uh, outlet for a rookie quarterback to get rid of that ball really fast. Um, sometimes he leaves his wide receivers out to drive uh, inconsistent speed in certain throws too. So um, there's certainly some drawbacks, but I just think the 
the athletic ability is certainly there with Brett Hundley. Um, go ahead, Billy. You can give us your number three because I got Hundley number three too, but I'm not nearly as high. Um, I got a few. Okay, yeah, I, I had already gone. I had Petty at uh, number three. To me, this is just my own personal okay. philosophy on quarterbacks. I don't want a running quarterback. I don't care how fast they run a 40-yard dash. The way I see it, if my quarterback's running, the face of my franchise is running, then my offensive line isn't doing their job, and that's not the quarterback that I want. Their careers are usually shorter. Um, it's very difficult to stay healthy for a full season when you're a running quarterback. So I'm old school, and I think that ties in why I have Petty um, higher than somebody like um, Hunley that you guys have higher because you probably value that um, the multi-ability to both run and pass. So that's just my philosophy. I have Petty at three. I Honestly, the reason I have Hunley at three is an intangible aspect of his game because I am not a big fan of his mobility, unlike, unlike my, our counterpart Josh here. Um, I think he takes a really long time to get going. I think he has good high – I think he has good long speed, but he doesn't have the quick twitch muscle that, you know, that even remotely like a Mariota does, that elusiveness. Um, he's got that longer slide, he, his stride. He, he runs He runs big. He looks like a Culpepper out there running. You're right. That's a good description of him. Um, but um, – I just think he's going to have a much harder time getting getting going versus the speed of the NFL than versus the speed of the Pac-10. Um, my my big thing with Hunley is I like the way he plays down the stretch. UCLA rarely, I mean, they struggled to get out of the gates on a lot of their games. They found themselves in you know comeback mode a lot, and as the game wore on, as the going got tough, Hunley got going. And he started as he loosened up and started letting it fly. Um, he he looked a lot more like a gamer to me than he did through the first couple quarters, and uh, that made me kind of go, "All right, you know, there's something there that just can't be coached." You know, as the pressure increased, this guy, you know, got more fearless and and just started playing. And uh, so for that reason alone, I have Hunley right there. I think that separates him. For me, it separated him from like Bryce Petty and Garrett Grayson and some of those guys. Um, I think all these guys are their speed is fine. I mean, if you look at them, they're all in the four seven range. You know, they got plenty of mobility if they get out there. Um, but like Bill said, these guys shouldn't be running at all. I mean, unless you're a Mariota and half, you know, half your game is based on it. We just haven't seen that type of success in the NFL from those quarterbacks. But on the flip side, we are talking about fantasy here. And, uh, you know, so from uh, success can be defined two very different ways in that capacity. Um, well, not surprising, none of us have mentioned Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston yet, and we're into our top two. So um, we'll just go around. I know I don't think we're going to agree here. So this is going to be an interesting conversation because um, I know I pre- feel pretty adamant about the, the two I have. Um, but we'll start with Bill, who are – we can just go uh, – we can just finish the, the top two here, and you can uh, – why don't we just discuss why you like whoever over whomever for these two, because that's okay. really what it's about. Hey. It's about these two, you know. Could so, I, Dan, could I – Josh here, could I say something real quick before we, before we move yeah, on? Yeah, get I, in there. I, um, I, before we – I don't want to try backtrack before we get into the big two, but uh, I did not have Bryce Petty on my – 
on my top five at all. You noticed I haven't mentioned him at all. I I just don't get the whole Bryce Petty thing. I I don't I don't see it. And I, I know you guys like his deep ball, but one thing I notice on his deep ball is every single time somebody's catching that, they are reaching back to catch it. I'm just wondering if that's poor accuracy or just great placement. What do you think? Uh, it depends um, on the play. I guess I did. I, I, uh, the, go, go ahead, Bill. No, that's okay. I was just saying that I would have to actually see an individual play and know exactly what happened on each play. But, you know, there's obviously a lot of times the quarterbacks throw that back shoulder. So, you know, it would all depend on the play. Uh, but he is completely wrong. I mean, there it, there's issues with Petty's game where I could see him not being ranked in Josh's top five. Uh, but I just like his delivery. Yeah. I just like, again, I'm a pure pocket passer, strong arm pocket passer. That's who I want for my franchise quarterback for fantasy. Not that he okay. is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I admittedly, you know, even last night, I haven't made the change officially, but I have Petty barely in my top five now. I, I, I can comfortably say I like Grayson over Petty. Um, and, and like Bill said, there's so much factored into each play. You'd have to, you know, check it out. The tape I watched last night, I can't remember who it was. Like Baylor, oh, yeah, I do remember. It was his Kansas State game. So, I mean, I, I tend to go straight to the highest competition um, right away whenever I'm on the yeah. on the fence with somebody. And, I mean, he looked good in that game, in, in my opinion. I mean, his I, I didn't like how – I didn't like how Kansas State played off and they let him, you know, pass, you know, for every 10-yard pass they wanted to the whole game. Um, Petty didn't have to read anything in that game, and but when he did attack downfield, he was on the money as far as I'm concerned. Um, if there's a game you can point to, for sure, I'd love to take a peek at that afterwards. But, again, it, at the end of the day, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because I just don't – this isn't a person I'm going to grab unless it's in the very, very late part of the rookie, you know, of the rookie draft, and I – need a developmental quarterback on my taxi squad for two years. I'm not drafting any of these guys with the hopes of starting them anytime in the near future. I don't know about you guys. No, I'm the same way. True. Yes, yeah. I agree. All right. Sorry, sorry so, to interrupt. Go ahead, Bill. Bill, let's go into Mariota Winston. Who you got? Okay. All right. Well, I know um, who you got. Again, my decision based on my philosophy, again, is I always value a pocket quarterback over a running quarterback. So, uh, Jameis Winston, despite the fact that I am a null, so is Josh, so you're outnumbered here, Dan. Uh, but, you know, Jameis Winston will be my number one. Mariota, I've got it, too. Um, I'd have to say there's a million things I have written down here, but the, basically what it comes down to, you know, he's a good leader. He's got a lot of good intangibles. His character is impeccable. He's humble. He's coachable. But it comes down to his lack of experience in a professional-style offense. He has absolutely no experience with three, five, seven-step drops. Um, he's in a one-read system. Um, you know, he's not really forced to make a lot of tough throws in the games that I watched. Um, and, again, I, I think that those types of quarterbacks are more prone to pick up the ball and run. Um, he looks like a deer in headlights on certain plays, and he sees phantom pressure. Um, so that concerns me a little bit with him, not that it's going to be an issue. Um, I will say that if Mariota, go, or Mariota goes to Philadelphia, I think, honestly, that he'll probably be the number one on my board because that opportunity will absolutely trump the, uh, the talent at this point. Um, but as it stands right now, going into the draft, Mariota's my number two. Winston's my number one. Um, again, just the size, the arm strength. He's a winner. He's 26-1 and one as a quarterback in the, in the 
college ranks. That, to me, with the national championship, winning is everything. He does play terribly at times during the game. I've come to know I've watched every game of his career. Um, start slow, he makes terrible decisions with the ball. Sometimes you just sit there and scratch your head. 18 interceptions last year, and, I mean, I probably pulled out a good chunk of my hair on every one of them because half of them were just absolutely mind-blowing what he was trying to think he could do with that. Uh, but then again, that's a strength of his because he's so fearless. He's got a gun slinger mentality, and he's not afraid to make the difficult throws. And if he makes a bad throw, he'll come right back and beat you anyway. Um, what a big thing that I'm worried about, and one huge thing that I liked about him as well is his intelligence. It's not really talked about enough. Um, he's a 4.0 student. Not that at Florida State that's difficult. That's probably not that I'm offending Florida State. But uh, that's not the hardest thing. But his football intelligence is amazing. If you get a chance, check out him and Mooch uh, talking over a play. Uh, I called it check down versus touchdown. Mooch basically ran by a play with him, went through all the progressions, all the reads, the coverages, et cetera, and then put the board over, killed about 10 or 15 minutes, and then asked him to draw up the same play. And Winston knew it verbatim, even repeated the joke. So he's just got the football intelligence that I look for. He's going to struggle. He's going to make some bad throws. But Peyton Manning threw, I think, 28 interceptions his first year, and he worked out okay, too. So the turnovers can always be improved. All right. Good stuff. Um, Josh, I know you're going to be the counterpoint here, so I'll save me for the tiebreaker. All right. Uh, well, I have Winston, too. Um and I and I did see that uh, what Bill was talking about with uh, game changers there in the NFL and Stephen uh, Stephen that I I watched I, I watched that too and I and I almost wanted to move Mary, move him up but then I watched someone with Mariota and it kind of brought me back down and I and I do want to say and Dan can be my witness I've had these guys one two forever I didn't just change it because Mayock and Jeremiah or somebody else changed theirs this week I, I've had it this way forever um, Winston he's yeah, got a camera. Uh, I mean, you could literally hear the spiral zip when you when you're watching it on TV. Um, he's able to absorb hits with, without without really getting hurt. I mean, that's, he's never really gotten hurt his whole career in Florida State. He's a little young, uh, but he has arm strength for days, and you see that in the games. His arms doesn't get tired, and maybe that's thanks to baseball and, and the pitching thing. Uh, very underrated football IQ. Uh, makes offensive line adjustments better than most sophomores would. Uh, cons, there's, there's a handful of them here, but, uh, you know, he, he was just a sophomore, doesn't have two, two years of starting experience, but you would maybe want maybe a little more background behind that. Uh, I think he's got happy feet at times, which he doesn't really need to because, I mean, at Florida State, he had seven seconds to throw that ball in the pocket. That's not going to happen in the NFL. I No matter where he goes, he's not going to have that amount of time, and that concerns me. Um his cannon arm doesn't really help on the short slants and screen throws. Sometimes he overthrows that guy, or doesn't, or doesn't, doesn't get lead them enough to where they're not, you know, having the ability to make make moves and get get yardage. Um, kind of heavy footed, you know. He kind of he kind of stomps around there when that first option's not open. Um, and the the speed thing is not there, you know, under under five, but not really much better there. Um, you know. The, We've had immature issues. Obviously, you can't solely judge person on what they've done. You got to let their actions speak for them moving forward there. But I just I feel like there's an emotional in, emotional immaturity there, and he's more than unlikely going to Tampa, the place he grew up, with millions of dollars, and that just concerns me. It's, it's I mean I know that's not you know stylistic plays or whatnot, but that just is a little bit of a concern. Maybe. Maybe there's a babysitter there. 
but hopefully he can. You know, I know he's saying all the right things right now, but I just I just have a weird concern with him there. You know, since high school, he's had to do nothing but beat Jameson, Jameis Winston. I feel like everything's been given to him, and uh, that's I mean that's since he went to Florida State, everything's been given to him, and I feel like there's. He's now he's going to have this added pressure of being the number one quarterback, and I just he just number one player on the board, number one player off the board. If that truly is going to be the case, and I, and I believe it will, and I just I I, I just worry about that. Uh, and like Bill said too, the guy's twenty six and one as a starter, which is impressive. I, I'll admit, but and I'm a huge Florida State fan, but we don't know how this guy is going to handle a loss the next week. I mean, he lost that game, his last game of his college career. How's he going to handle when this team is 0 and 3 or 2 and 7? How is he going to play? You know, we've seen him losing on the field, throwing his arms, flailing around after he's thrown one interception when they are up by 10 points. I mean, how's he going to handle a loss or two losses in a row? No. Uh, so obviously, Mariota's my number one. Um, I think accuracy is more important than arm strength. I know. I know we like to get like to get that down, but I think Mariota is very accurate. Um, Bill said, you know, he does have that deer in his headlights. I think he is just tuned uh, with some Chip Kelly speed, and he is always looking for something. I think that's maybe why you see those eyes wide open sometimes. Uh, feels pressure well, can throw on the run with precision, which I really like. Uh, also understands how to make adjustments to keep the defenses off balance. You know, I think I think Winston does a very good job making adjustments to the defense. I think with the with the Chip Kelly system that Mariota runs, he's making adjustments yep. with Josh. his offense. Josh. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Take another thirty seconds, but we're gonna we're we're probably gonna just go three tight ends because we're already half hour in here and we got a lot uh, of sure. running backs and quarterback. Or, yep. Um, um. Go ahead. Winston, like I said, Winston makes adjustments to combat the defense really well. I think Mariota's already making adjustments to make the de- defenses off balance before he even gets to the line, and that's that's something I, I like. Um, his game is very timing based, and so is the system. Um, I see I see a lot of Russell Wilson in him. Um, I I wish people would stop saying the Alex Smith stuff because I think he is a way better athlete than Alex Smith. It's just the system that he came, comes from, um, and I think he is very fast straight-line runner, not not necessarily as agile as I would want him to be. And uh, my player comparison, by the way, for James Winston, which I forgot, uh, was Brett Favre. I kind of think he's got that little bit of a gunslinger mentality. So uh, there you have it, my top two. Good. I'll I'll wrap it up here. I got Winston one. I got uh, Mariota two. Um, I Josh made some really good valid points and some valid concerns. I mean, there's nothing wrong with valuing maturity and behavioral issues and, you know, those types of things when you're factoring in. You know damn well the NFL is. You know, that's the only – as far as I'm concerned, that's the only question with uh, with Winston. And those are good questions. You know, you could flip a lot of your points on the other, you know, the other side. I mean, I want a quarterback that doesn't like losing. I want a guy that doesn't know, you know, how to handle that kind of stuff and is going to fight tooth or nail anything you want. For that, I also think you are underestimating how, you know, how good Mariota is at making adjustments. He's good at making adjustments within a very, very scripted, specific system. 
And this is a huge red flag for a lot of teams, and it should be, because re- being able to check down in a system is very different from actually being able to read the de- defense in a pro-style offense. And that's where Winston really sets himself apart, is he actually reads the field. He actually knows how to go through his progressions based on whatever is giving him there. He's got room to grow. He definitely struggled at times, and you can see it. He does have that gunslinger mentality. He's going to get himself into trouble plenty of times. It's going to be interesting. I don't think that we have these two, like, on separate shelves here. I think they're basically on separate on the same shelf for two very different reasons. I think you have a good, high-quality character guy that you're not, you know, that is a low-risk guy that has the potential to learn any system he has. It's hard to gauge what his true skill set is based on his predetermined one-snap read offense in Oregon. I mean, he, he, he was accurate because he knew exactly where he was throwing the ball every single play. And so there, there's an element to that game as well. And so I think, they, I think you can, this is 1A, 1B, and it could go either way. I would have no problem investing in either one of these guys. These are the two that are going to be the week one starters out of the bunch if there are going to be any. And uh, to whoever they go with, I think uh, best case scenario is Philly. I mean, this is a no-brainer for people. You know, if he goes to the exact off, if Mariota goes to the exact offense that he's been trained in for the last two three years, you know, he he's going to have a high degree of success. Can that translate to actual like high high level NFL success? It'll be tough to say because the NFL catches up. Um, and we'll see how they adjust to Chip Kelly's offense in year three. But um, at the end of the day, we all have Mariota and Winston 1-2. I don't think any of us think, uh, you know, there's a huge gap here. It just really comes down to personal preference. So we're going to we're gonna keep plugging along here. I'm going to get my whistle out. This is the whistle. <laughs> all right. If you hear the whistle... You have 20 seconds to respond. We're going to burn through tight ends, guys. Let's just do the top three. Tight ends are tight ends. Uh, Bill, you can give the tight end advice and start with your number three. We talked about tight end advice for people in fantasy football, and I think it's great advice, and you can give it since it was yours. Yeah, the tight ends in this class, obviously, everybody agrees. There's one at the top, Max Williams, and then there's the rest. A lot of guys that are going to take some time to develop, but the tight end position in general, for fantasy and for NFL purposes, requires a really long learning curve. Um, There's just so much that the tight ends have to digest. They've got to learn blocking schemes. They've got to learn routes. They've got to learn concepts. There's just so much that has to be learned. So you're almost actually better off just passing on even some of the higher talent, let somebody else draft them, and then try to, you know, come back a year later after the hype is over and get them for 50 cents on the dollar and try to land somebody that you can watch develop. And it's going to take anywhere from one to three years. It's very rare that a tight end comes into the NFL and is successful immediately. Um, Jimmy Graham, I got to help him forever before he actually started to uh, be a, a worthwhile uh, fantasy asset. But moving on to the tight ends that are on the board, um, my top three, uh, well, number three is Devin Funches, but I got to throw a shout out to my boy, Rory Busta Anderson from South Carolina. Kids getting absolutely no love. Um, amazing athlete. I really wish he would have run at 40 at his pro day, but unfortunately pulled his hammy, which is one of my biggest concerns. He's had lingering triceps issues. But if you watch this kid play, um, he stands out from the second you put on the tape. Excellent athlete, really quick in and out of his cuts, makes highlight reel catches, um, just really going to be a solid red zone target and chain-moving um 
target for a real lucky team that's going to draft. And the only problem, like I said, are his injury issues. Uh, Funchess, I've got, is a tight end. I did have him as a receiver as well, but the more I watch, um, I just think he's going to be a tight end in the NFL. He's got good size. He could be a difference maker, I really think, if he lands in the right system. Love to see him play for uh, the New England Patriots. That would be absolutely terrifying. But, um, you know, he's got other things to do. He's going to have to add weight if he wants to play in line. Um, his blocking techniques are not good, so he's going to need a lot of work there. Um, so that's basically my number three. All right, Josh, who do you got for number three? Um, well, the other, I just want to run down my my top five. I'll just I'll just say the names. Uh, ben sure. Ben Kozak from from Notre Dame. I like him at five. I think he does a lot of things well, and he can do a lot. He can play the H back and the fullback and a tight end. Um, I'm also I didn't get him in my top three, but I got McCole Pruitt out of. Uh, geez, I don't even yeah, know you like Pruitt, Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois, the Salukis. But anyway, uh, Michael Pruitt, I think he's he's a, a small guy, but he's, he can present a lot of things. Um, number three, I have Jesse James, the monster out of Penn State. Uh, six, seven frame, attacks and challenges defenders while running routes. I really like that about him. And uh, he leaves he leaves a mark when he blocks somebody. I think that's, that's, that's big. That's big with these tight ends. If you can consistently block, he's going to have the opportunity to stay in there. Um, Big drawbacks with him. He dominated absolutely nothing at Penn State. Um, uh, I think he could. Uh, while I, I like his blocks, I think he really needs to finish them. He 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 hits well with his hands, but he needs to knock people on their butts because the guy is six seven, you know, two eighty, whatever he is. This is a monster, man. You see it on the field. You see it when he's out there. He's just huge. Um, and he also he also makes makes him realize that he means big business, and he is a big. <laughs> Excuse me. He's a big target to tackle. Uh, number two, I got Clyde right. Walford out of uh, Miami. Uh, I I think he's got nice speed, and he's probably the best athlete of the group. I think he's a little bit better of an athlete than Max Williams. I think Max Williams is hey, definitely is, a more Is Clyde your number two, Josh? Yep. And then uh, number one, I got. Okay, uh, hang on, hang on number- one second. I'm gonna jump in here with my number three, and then we'll go around number two. Um, good call-outs on those guys. I, I admit need to take a longer look at uh, Roy Anderson um, and Michael Pruitt. Um, interesting spelling of Michael. Um, I uh, I have Nick O'Leary, at, or uh, excuse me, not Nick O'Leary. I like Nick O'Leary too, but uh, not nearly as much as Tyler Croft out of Rutgers. Um, I went back and watched tight ends again last night just because they are so hard to scout, and that's kind of – why you got to look through so much. Um, you got to watch them do everything. You know, blocking can get them on the field, but are they going to run crisp enough net routes to be a, a legitimate part of the offense? And as Bill said, they take so long to develop. I mean, Tyler Eifert, um, you know, is another one that, I mean, think of where that guy was going a couple of years ago. I mean, one six, one five, one four. You know, I mean, you could get him for a third round pick right now. Yeah, you know, so it, it's uh, it's one of the it's a really good strategy. Tyler Croft is a really lanky guy. Um, he actually has a little room to uh, add a little weight. Uh, he's out of Rutgers. Their offense was just terrible. Um, I tried to look through the offense and the quarterback play because it was pretty rough. Um, and what I saw was a really really um, aggressive uh, under like his, his power was understated. He has such a long reach that he can engage his blocks very aggressively. And I was surprised at how easily he pushed around linemen 
linebackers at a guy who's 6'6", 245 pounds. I think he's got room for another 10 to 15 pretty easy. Runs good routes, gets downfield, great, great team route runner. Um, I just think he's going to be uh, a nice little sleeper, uh, you know, down the road. Uh, all right, we'll go back around. Josh, you were excited to talk about Clyde Wofford at number two. I think we all have Wofford at number two. Why don't you tell us what we like about him? And if Bill and I have anything to add, we will. Otherwise, we'll just jump to number one. Sure. Uh, my uh, my quick uh, Jesse James, my, my big player comparison to him is I see a lot of C.J. Fedador in whom I was super excited about out of Iowa last year. And so I don't know if that's a good thing or not. And you uh, should be. He's, he's a guy you he, should still be excited about. Uh, all right. I wasn't excited about the two yep. catches last year. But anyway, uh, Clive Wolford, <laughs> I see him somewhere somewhere between Antonio Gates and Ladarius Green. I don't think he's going to be as good as Antonio Gates, but I think he's going to be way better than Ladarius Green. Um, he's a great ball fighter in traffic. Uh, strong, powerful thighs, makes him hard to tackle. Uh, great athlete, best athlete of the class. Um, he needs more surge on his run blocking, which is going to be an issue. Uh, I don't think he's a red zone vertical threat. I, some people are scouts are saying that he climbs the ladder well. You know, he might climb the ladder well in college, but I think, and I think he could be a reliable option in the NFL red zone. But he's not going to outjump NFL DBs. He just he just doesn't have it in him. He's got too much weight there in the lower body. Um, and he very rarely played on the line, which could create, I think, a little bit of a learning curve there in the NFL. I have right. to. What do you got, a couple of things I agree on with Josh, but a couple that I don't. Um, number one, he's the best blocker in this draft, hands down, <clears throat> of the receiving uh, tight ends as well. He has excellent technique. Uh, he's got a nasty edge. I really think he enjoys blocking. Um, so I can see him playing in line or as a move tight end. I don't think he's a dynamic athlete, but I do think he's going to stretch the seams. He's got great size, 34-inch arms. He's got 10-and-a-quarter-inch hands. Uh, but his 4'8 speed is really lacking, not that it needs to be a burner. But um, I think he's a much better athlete than, um, you know, than people are giving him credit for. I think he's actually a starting tight end at the next level. Um, he's a little bit raw. He drops a little too many passes. But I think those are a lot of those are concentration gaps, I think, with some coaching and some refinement. I think he's ready to go as an inline tight end straight out of the uh, right out of the gate, and you know I think he's got a lot of upside catching the ball as well. He, against Florida State, he absolutely destroyed us, um, and he made a, one really bad drop, but he was really athletic, made a lot of good plays. Um, and like Dan said earlier, I love to watch games against good competition, um, and he really stood out in that game. He was a playmaker the entire game. So um, I think that Warford's definitely going to be a guy to keep an eye on. He might not make an impact for fantasy for a couple of years, but I'm pretty big on the guy. I think he's got a lot to offer, especially for inline blocking. There's very few of these tight ends that are ready to step in and play in line. All right, that means we all have uh, Max Williams out of Minnesota at number one. Um, go ahead, guys. Uh, Bill, why don't you just go right into Max Williams? Why do you have him as the clear number one fantasy option going, coming out of this draft? I just think he's as far as he's a move tight end. I don't think he's ever going to be an inline tight end. I mean, he's going to have to improve significantly in that aspect. Um, the size, the way he moves, his body control, especially um, when you watch him make catches. I mean, his body control and high pointing the ball and his sideline work. If you watch some of the catches that he makes, they're circus catches. This guy yeah. really kind of reminds me. I'm not a big player comparison guy because when you say some of these guys, the first thing that jumps to everybody's mind is different. But you know, he's just a really athletic tight end that you can catch. You know, at Great red zone target, makes sideline catches look really simple, fully extended. 
Um, but, but I am concerned about, you know, his blocking abilities. His route running is, or route running is sloppy and really raw. Um, and he's a bit robotic when you watch him run his routes. He doesn't really have fluid or loose hips. He kind of just, like, plots his way through the route. So he's going to need some coaching. Uh, but I think his athletic ability makes him the number one tight end. How about you? Yeah. Joshua. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what I have written down for him player comparison-wise is Steve Jordan. And uh, I see a little Tony Malaki in there. I think Tony Malaki was, was going to be a very good tight end until injuries just killed him for three years. Um, uh, he moved he moved around a lot, set in motion, played the slot. Uh, like Bill said, I, I agree with him on the line. Doesn't doesn't seem to be there for him. But a guy that you can move around a lot is certainly a, a nice a nice chip to have. Um, prefers rather to uh, chip block than actually hold a block, which is a little bit of a concern. Um, and he, I think he's a he's a great athlete, but he's way better with the ball in his hands. And uh, he's just a redshirt sophomore too, so I think he could definitely use some more seasoning. I think people are going to want to see a lot of him right away because he's going to be the first tight end off the board and. I think it's going to be a couple of years before we see Max Williams do what he did in college in the NFL. Yeah, I'm a Minnesota boy and uh, got to watch Max pretty close, and uh, I really have not much to add here. You guys covered everything. So we're going to just jump right into running backs, and we're going to just keep burning because we got a lot to get through in the next 40 <laughs> minutes before uh, we may have to squeeze Bruce's section into 20 minutes at this rate. Um, but we're going to go right into running backs. Uh, we are going to start with uh, Bill. Let's just all go around. Uh, you go ahead and give us your number 10 and uh, just a little brief snippet about why you like him. Okay. Um, number 10, again, when I rank my running backs, I will be tending to always pick three down running backs over pass-catching running backs. So let me just throw that out as a disclaimer. Um, my number 10 is kind of tied right now, but I have Javarius Allen. Javarius Allen ahead of David Cobb by a little bit right now, and it's basically because of his receiving ability. Um, you know, that won't go into too much detail. We do have so much to go through, but he does have some issues. He runs a little bit too upright. I really don't like the way he doesn't grind out extra yak yards, and, um, you know, I don't think he has really explosive feet, and he's like going to need to improve his pass throw pretty, uh, pretty significantly, like almost all the rookies. Uh, number 10. All right, how about I you, have, Josh? Who you got 10? I got, I got David Cobb um, at number 10. Uh, one person I don't have in mind that I, that I think you guys probably will is TJ Yeldon. Um, I think he raises his head at the moment of daylight, and he's going to get his head taken off in the NFL if he do that. So that's all I'm going to say about him. Uh, <laughs> David Cobb I have number 10. Uh, shoulders forward runner, attacks the line with great gusto. Ironically, he kind of reminds me of Marion Barber and Lawrence Maroney. Um but uh, I think he's going to need some use some work as a blocker. Um, and the agility is not is not his thing, and it's not it's a little bit lacking there. I also would like to see a little bit more acceleration when he's in open space. Um, and the pass catching skills are there. But as far as between the tackles, like Bill said, three down guy. I, that's why I like David Cobb, and that's why I have my top ten. I think he can run between the tackles really well with a lot of force. Well, you guys mentioned, um, yeah, I'm pretty much uh, split on three guys, and you guys just mentioned three of them, or two of them, excuse me. There's my third math for you. Um, I, I have actually Jeremy Langf- uh, Langford out of Michigan State as my number 10, and I have Cobb and Javarius Allen right behind him. And honestly, I like them all for three, you know, three very different reasons. And I could I could be persuaded either way. Um, like you said, Javarius Allen might be might be the most underrated back in this class, honestly, with his skill set. I think we get a little turned off by USC position players right now. 
um, especially the wide receiver position, just with the lack of success coming out of that school. Um, David Cobb, I'm a Minnesota guy, so you would think I'd have him higher. I like him, too. He's a bulldozer. He's got great balance for a guy that big. His agility, yeah, not that great, but good luck getting the guy down. He's tough to get down. Um, Jeremy Langford I like as an in-betweener, and that may come back to bite me. I hate gambling on guys like this. Uh, Storm Johnson was another one last year. It's yet to be seen whether he'll actually come to fruition. You like to see these guys that are a little taller, um, and only sitting at about 205, add a little more weight just so that they can, you know, they can hold up a little bit longer. But he has the explosive ability that neither one of those guys have. Um, you know, yeah, he needs to get into a little more space. His pass catching ability is really good. It's top notch. Um, but he, he is going to have to work at his between the tackle stuff. So at this point, this is where the, you know, this is where you're going to make your money this year. This is where the one you need to get right is because this is a deep class. And these guys all have legitimate skill sets. These are guys that would be pushing the top six, five or six of last year's class, sitting in the top 12 of this year's class. And so draft location is going to be huge. Depth chart, opportunity, team, all that is going to be huge post-draft. I think that's the important thing to remember, and that these are the guys that we're going to have to pick between for whatever personal preference. So going to nine is the guy you mentioned. I'll throw out my number nine is T.J. Yeldon. Um, he has dropped like a rock on my rankings. Uh, you know, he was up there pretty good when I first started ranking, and I just keep finding things that I don't like about him. And honestly, I'm going to keep this really brief. He has just, he just runs bizarrely to me. I, I don't know if I've honestly scouted a running back that I can compare him to. Uh, I have player comps for almost all these guys, but I, I could not really put my finger on this guy. Um, things I like, I like, uh, well, I liked his early career and how explosive he was. He kind of faded a little bit at the end. I love how he kind of casually shifts down the line of scrimmage. I think he's got pretty good patience for running back, which is oftentimes hard to develop. Uh, it's hard to coach. It's hard to train. It's such an instinctual position that that is a really tough thing to to teach. Um, so I think he has the patience that you're looking for in the NFL, but I'm just not sure I see the rest uh, there. He's definitely big enough and strong enough and fast enough to play the position. Um, and then, you know, there's always the Alabama back factor. You know, are you uh, are you going to be T-Rich or Lacey or neither or what? Um, so who you got <laughs> at nine, Bill, and feel free to... Well, I share your sentiments on Yeldon. I have him ranked a little higher. I've got him at six, but um, I've been watching Yeldon for a long time. I actually drafted um, Eddie Lacy in the Debbie League uh, when Ingram was still there, and honestly, um, when I when he was a freshman, Yeldon, I was terrified that he was actually going to overtake Lacy as the number one running back because he was lighter and was much more dynamic. Every single time he touched the ball, he looked like a home run hitter. But yeah, he does run way. It's, it's his upright running style that's so unusual. It's going to open him up to a lot of turnovers and his public injuries as well, but I still like the talent overall, and I think he's going to be a good value. But at number nine, I have uh, Mike Davis from South Carolina. Love the size, 5'9", 217. I love the mentality of a productive between-the-tackles grinder. Um, he's got good, a good vision, excellent balance. Um, he really gets small when he goes through the hall, runs with power behind his pads, I think it'll be a great goal line back. Um, I, again, I just love that bowling ball like running style, um, where you just look for contact. Um, then the thing that puts him up under number nine for me is the pass catching, and then Mike Davis actually might go up higher. 
I think he's got a great landing spot. It could really vault him uh, because he is such a good pass uh, catching back out of the backfield. Excellent hands, really has understanding of routes, uh, makes a good effort in pass pro, and I think it's going to get him on the field pretty quick. The only thing I'm worried about with Mike Davis um, is this, he just basically conditioning. You know, he didn't really look as good in 2014. He kind of went downhill as the season went on. Um, and, you know, he doesn't really have that dynamic quick twitch first step to make, you know, get some, uh, to make players miss in small areas. So I think he might have trouble making the first tackler and miss at the next level. Uh, but his overall game, I think he's going to be a nice value in the second or third round. Josh, or you got number nine? Uh, I got Lankford number nine. Um, as some of you might know, I'm a huge college football fan, obviously, and I like to have a team in every conference. And Michigan State is my team in every conference. But that's not why I have him there. But I, I just want to say that because I, I've watched a lot of Michigan State football, so I feel like I'm pretty well-versed in Lankford. I think he has great speed, and he hits the hole with force. Um, he's not too big, but he's not too small either. Very aggressive on the pass block. I think he's faster than a guy like Joy Bell, but stronger than Andre Ellington. Um, he's got good hands, yep. um, and his agility—he has good agility to give them give them great space, especially like on screen plays. And he's very dangerous on the like the delayed screen play. Uh, I think that's going to open things up for him as a three-down back. One thing I do concern that does concern me about him being a three-down back is he's going to need to be able to read blitzes a little bit better if he wants to get more opportunity. He's He's going to have to help out pass blocking, and I, and I don't see him doing that gr- greatly right now. Um, and, the, and I like his speed, but I don't think he uses it often enough, especially on that initial burst. I, I would like to see him hit the line a little bit faster. He hits the line with a lot of force and a lot of muscle. But, I mean, this guy ran a sub-540. I want to see that on the field, which is a little bit concerning for me that we haven't seen that on the field. All right. Uh, we'll go back around. Who you got at number eight, Bill? Um, actually, my number seven and eight are kind of combined. I've got a – they're two, two of the better running backs in this draft, but because of the fact that they're just simply going to project as third down backs, and some of these guys might actually struggle learning pass pro, uh, but I've got Amir Abdullah from Nebraska and Duke Johnson from Miami in these slots, and I probably will move Mike Davis ahead of them. Um, I just am not a fan of a three-down back. I don't believe that either it has the ability to play three downs. I know people are big on Abdullah. They think that maybe he could pull that off. He's explosive, um, plays with good size or good power despite his size. But you know, 13 fumbles in his career is a big red flag for me. I don't see him projecting as a three-down back. I don't see him as a short yardage back. I don't think he can produce in the NFL at that level. So that's two of the three boxes on Abdullah that just don't check for me. Duke Johnson, another explosive playmaker, threat to take it to the house every time he touches the ball. Um, but, you know, I just don't see him ever being consistent between the tackles grinder and the NFL. Um, the size is going to limit his ability to play in short yardage as well, so there's two of the three boxes not checked. And, again, for fantasy, I want a running back. I'd rather take a swing at a running back that checks all the boxes but have less talent and maybe you can earn a spot on the team than take a third down back that's going to project with a, you know, a very limited ceiling as a third down back in the NFL. So those are my seven and eight. Although they are actually better skill set, NFL-ready running backs for their overall skill set, but I don't think for fantasy there's somebody that I want to add to my team in the draft. See, and that's what's so beautiful about this is, you know, you just gave really good rationale for what you are looking for. And, you know, there's so many other people that do value that third down back and that that high explosion 
factor and are willing to overlook those other aspects of it. That's what makes this so much fun. Um, I oh, tend yeah. to agree with you. I've always leaned that way. Um, yeah, but, for a third running back on your fantasy team, I mean, I like these guys with upside for that. Um, but if you're drafting and having to take a running back in the first round, I want somebody that can develop into my number one or two running back. I don't want to waste my time waiting for a third down back to have the dream opportunity, which I don't think will come along, especially when they can't do goal line duty. Perfect. All right, Josh, who you got for eight? Feel free to do seven, uh, I got, too. Sure. I got I got Duke Johnson, number eight. Uh, reminds me a lot of another Hurricane and Clinton Portis. Um, very elusive runner, strong second effort, very good blocker. Um, not a very good pass catcher, too. He pet, catches the ball all over the field, which I, which I really like. I didn't really see that with any of these other running backs. There was a couple plays where they would send him, you know, 20, 20 yards downfield and try to hit him on a little – on a little hitch-and-go route, and I really, really like the fact that he was able to do that for him. Um, I think he could run with more power and a little more charge in his legs, um, and he's not a between-the-tackles guy, so goal line work could could be a struggle if he actually gets that kind of opportunity. Um, number seven, I hope I'm going to say the name right, it's J.A.J. from uh, Boise State. Uh, I got. I, I know some people are really high at him. I see Chris Ivory and Isaiah Crowell, I guess, with him. I think he's got great vision and great elusiveness, um, especially on, like, the underneath passing routes and the underneath running routes. Uh, explodes into open space. Um, was really durable and kind of a stubborn runner. I, I like that about him. And he does dish out hits when he's being tackled, too. Um, I, I think he's actually faster than his combine grade. I think he's faster on the field than he tested that. Um, some things I don't like about him, though, is that he does, he does run a little violently, which I think in the NFL is going to open him up to some certain injury risks. Um, could be stronger between the tackles, um, pistol kind of spread scheme, may have actually falsified his college production as well. You know, they, they relied on him a whole lot. You know, those four touchdown games look great, but uh, they're not, they're not going to happen at the next level. So. All right. Good, good stuff. Interesting to have a, a, a J, a J-A or a J-A or J-A, I don't know, whatever. Um <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad, but I'm horrible at pronouncing names and even and I don't trust anyone else either. They don't know. They're guessing too. Um, <laughs> um all right. So I uh my number eight is Abdullah uh as well, Amir Abdullah, uh Nebraska. Same thing. Um I tend to like my big backs too. Uh I like the bowling ball build. I like to know you can hammer it in there and uh can withstand the season. Uh, I'm not buying it with Abdullah, although I do think he is a stronger runner than uh, than Duke Johnson, even though I have Johnson higher for, for various reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't need to go into Abdullah too much. Bill covered him uh, pretty well, so I'll just skip over that. The guy that I absolutely love, and the only reason I have him this low is because of how deep this class is. And, again, Bill already touched on him, and that's Mike Davis. Um, I absolutely love him. I personally think he's the most – he's the best well-rounded running back in this entire draft. And I'm not saying he's got elite upside in any one of those, you know, in, in vision, blocking, pass protection, running, um, you know, any of those categories. What I'm saying is is – he provides the, a solid upside in all of them where I can find weaknesses in almost every other running back's game. I just don't see it with Mike Davis. I think he is as solid as they get across the board. 
And, you know, if it wasn't for a slightly off 2014, I mean, if this guy was coming off his 2013 season, he'd be everybody's number three back. And I don't, I honestly don't think it would even be a question. And so, you know, so for me, I don't know if it's a South Carolina thing. We saw it with Alshon Jeffrey coming out of college. It seemed to be a conditioning kind of a slack off thing. I don't know what they're doing down there in South Carolina. Um, but, I have all the confidence in the world that this guy is going to be coming into the NFL ready to play and give me that bowling ball back who can do it all and and uh, can just be an absolute potential monster in the in the image of an you know an MJD or uh you know um, I guess that's the best example I can give you is uh that little pounder um slightly bigger maybe um all right so my number 6 which is probably a little lower than some and uh, it's only because I've fallen in love with a few guys more, is uh, the Indiana back, Tevin Coleman. Uh, What's not to like about this guy? Um, His explosion is just unbelievable. It's unfortunate we didn't get to see him run the the 40 time. It would be interesting to see what that would come in at. Um, I'm going to let Bill talk about Tevin Coleman because I know his knowledge is really good on him, and he's got him ranked a little higher than I am. So we'll just go around to number six for now, and we can touch uh, on more uh, with Coleman a little later. So, Bill, who do you have at number six? Uh, number six, I had T.J. Yeldon. Again, for the reasons that I mentioned before, I just I had him higher. I've always had him higher. I've watched him play for a long time, but you just when he plays, he does have amazing athletic ability. He does have good good vision. I mean, he's a one cut runner. He gets downhill. He's got good burst. But, you know, his vertical running style is just so obvious. I don't even know if he's pigeon-toed, but he does have a very awkward style. I forget who mentioned that running. Um, But, you know, he's been very durable. And other than the ball security issues, um, I think T.J. Yeldon is going to be another steal. This depth in this draft, again, is going to be something that we're talking about for years because all of these guys can play roles. Could you imagine Cobb playing for Atlanta and teaming up with Freeman? I mean, you could put in a bunch of different positions, but he's, again, a three-down running back. He can do it all for you, um, and he's proved to be durable as well. So I still think there's red flags with him, but I have T.J. Eldon at six, but he is sinking. Okay. All right, Josh, who do you got at six? Uh, well, I just want to say before we move on that Dar- Darren McFadden was really durable in college, too, and he's kind of another <laughs> upright runner. And we, we know we know how, how well that worked out. Um, but, now, but now he's got an offensive line, so who knows? Um, uh, Amir Adubal, I have number six, actually. And I actually see a little MGD in him. And the fact that he oh. might have to cut his, Amir Abdullah. I oh, see a little okay. Maurice, Maurice Jones-Drew in him. I think he might have to cut his teeth, cut, returning kicks wherever he goes. I mean, obviously, that's going to be situational. Um, but that's kind of how MJD started his NFL career. And look look what happened with him. Um, I think he's got great vision and mobility, very strong on the pass protection. He understands how to help in pass protection. Even if he's not going to take somebody out, he's going he's gonna to at least do something to get in their way, and I really like that about him. Very solid return skills. He didn't take one to the house in the USC game, but watch those, watch those replays of him returning kicks against USC. Um, Dove, definitely the fumbling issues are a problem, and he's certainly a better off-tackle guy. Than, than he is an inside runner. So that's, that's why I have him six. I just, I really like about, I like what he brings to the table, and I am not a Nebraska fan whatsoever. So I just want to put that up. All right, who's your number five? Uh, sticking with me, Josh? Yep. 
Okay, I actually have Mike Davis number five. Now I didn't, I didn't, uh, nice. I just kind of let you DFW guys kind of lead me astray there for a while and think Mike Davis is awesome, and then I watched film on him and I was just like, oh my gosh, this guy is awesome. Uh, very rarely does the first tackle, first guy take him down. I see a lot of Latavius Murray, but I also see a lot of Corey Dillon in him. Um, tackle breaking maestro. Not, not to mention he's very hard to get a solid lick on. Uh, Excellent balance and displays great hip and thigh power. Broad shoulders matched with a thick chest. I mean, what, like you said, guys said, what is not to love about this guy? Um, does have some injury issues. Uh, did have a few fumbles in some big spots um, and needs to maybe work on some pass protection. But that's that's really nitpicking because I am, I am on and preaching the gospel according to Mike Davis as far as us at DFW are concerned. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in. I love it. I love it. Uh, Bill, who you got at five? Uh, number five, I've got we we share a three-way bromance on this running back. His name is David Johnson from Northern Iowa. I know I'm way out on a limb here. A lot of people are going to be scratching their head, uh, but to me, with when I watch him play, I, I put in the Iowa game because I want direct comparisons. I watched him and then I watched Abdullah both play against Iowa. Watch Abdullah behind a big, massive, beefy offensive line, and then watch Northern Iowa's. Scrappy, uh, undersized, under ability, just journeyman. And I watched the game, and Johnson just shined in that game. And then you watch Abdullah with all his advantages, and he looked average at best. Johnson's just got great size, six one, two and a quarter. He's a powerful runner. He doesn't get credit for it. He played behind that awful, awful, awful O line that really, if you watch the tape, I would guess I didn't chart it, but I would say over fifty percent of the plays I watched, he had penetration by at least one or two D linemen. I mean, literally, when he would take the bat, the ball in the backfield, he would have contact. So um, you have to really go through that small school kids. You have to really gauge that. And I think, honestly, with even a decent offensive line that provides holes, if he had Abdullah's line, he would have just been a monster in that game for sure. Um, I know he's a combine hero. He did well in all the categories. You know, he did look great on the hook. Uh, But in my opinion, with the right NFL coaching and his three-down ability, he's got amazing hands out of the backfield. Watch that Iowa game. Watch his 360 pirouette catch that he almost took to the house. Um, he's just a complete mismatch mm. against linebackers. He understands route concepts. He's a natural pass catcher, um, you know, and he just stood out to me from the more I watched on him, it just does checks all the boxes again for me. Goal line, third down back, can work hard between the tackles. Um, he's going to need some work, obviously. He's not perfect on his run pass blocking, and he needs to finish his runs with a little bit more aggression. But, honestly, I really think that his offensive line really discredited him. I mean, if you watch the tape, you will see exactly that. You'll see defensive linemen in the backfield as soon as he has the ball in the hand. And I don't care who you are, you're not going to be productive on a regular basis, nor look like a power running back when you're getting hit when you soon take your first step. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah, that pirouette. Uh, oh, yeah, we're we're on the same page with David Johnson. I just I got such a huge man crush on him, and I'm so competitive that I had to bump him above your number five to my number four last month, just to show that I loved him a little more than you do. Um, <laughs> I have I have Duke Johnson at uh, Duke Johnson, not David Johnson. I have Duke Johnson at number five. Just backtracking a little bit. Um, what I found with uh, Duke Johnson, funnily enough, and this has happened to me a few times, is I actually fall in love with a player more and more as I go back and watch other players play. So when I was going back and I was watching Walford um, and uh, um, 
Oh, geez, uh, I'm blanking on a wide receiver. Dorset. Uh, Dorset. Huh? Airman? Dorset. Thank you. Yeah, Dorset. Philip Dorsett. As I'm going back and I'm watching Dorsett's tape and as I'm watching Lawford's tape, I find myself watching Duke Johnson, you know, and I'm like, all right, I'm 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 just too in love with this guy's explosion. I'm too in love with his upside. I agree. He may never, you know, he may never live up to the in-between-the-tackles guy. I mean, we saw it lit most lately with, uh, you know, Gio Bernard. You know, that year two started wearing on him. And what happened? Jeremy Hill came in and said, hey, excuse me, little guy. You know, I mean, that's not to say that he doesn't have a role there and that he couldn't do it in a perfect scenario. But, Bill, I think you're right. That's the gamble is you need that perfect scenario. Um, and so with Duke, I'm willing to gamble on it. It depends on where he lands, certainly. I think he's got a ton of value as a flex play. Other than Duke Johnson, he's by far the best pass catching back in this in this class. I don't think it's even close after those two, other than maybe Mike Davis is right there. Um but uh, uh, I love his ability. And uh, David Johnson is number four for me. And if they're going to scoff at your number five, Bill, then they're going to scoff at my number four. Uh, but the sky is the absolute limits for this guy. He's a freaking beast. And, yes, he needs to refine his running back skills. Um, I didn't chart the offensive line either, but it was very clear they struggled. The penetrate. I mean, teams were keying in on David Johnson. It was David Johnson or bust. It was David Johnson in the passing game. It was David Johnson in the running game. It was That's all they had, and that's what they used. The guy is a super freak athletically. To get that kind of, you know, to get 6'1", 225 going for, Four five in his pro day, he's going to be in the you know he's the four four guy, and he is the best receiving running back I have ever scouted in the past four or five years. Just hands down, he is so naturally gifted. He's a converted wide receiver. I don't see any way out there. Period. That the team that drafts him doesn't have an immediate role for him on the on the field, even if it's in a screen, you know, third down role to begin with. I just don't see how this guy isn't a factor and a huge playmaker immediately. He may take a little while to turn into a true, true, true like three down back where he's being truly effective on his runs. Um, he is fairly raw at that, but I'm just too excited about this guy. Um, Who's your number four, uh, uh, Bill? We'll go backwards. Uh, my number four just recently changed. They're going back and forth between three and four, but I've got right now currently Tevin Coleman at number four. Um, he had been my number three for a while, but there's Jay Ajay just for, for me. I'll talk about that in a second. But Tevin Coleman, um, I've got him at four. Um, I could easily be back at three. All I can say is you just have to watch the kid play against Ohio State. Um, literally, this team, again, another awful, wretched offensive line uh, that he had to play behind. And, again, teams are focusing on him continually. Uh, but all he needs is just the tiniest seam, and the guy is absolutely gone. His first through the hole, his quickness, the way he hits his top gear in the drop of a hat. Um, he's got fluid hips, just great running style, change direction on almost a dime. Uh, doesn't lose any speed. He doesn't even shy away from contact. He's not the biggest running back, but he loves to finish runs. I love that about it. I'm old school. I love guys that like to play hard. Um, plays a good pad level. He's got great hands out of the backfield. And, man, talk about lethal in space. Half of his career touchdowns were from over 40 yards, um, and that's 20-plus. And in that Ohio State game against the national champion, I forget, I think he had three or two or three real long touchdown runs, and it was just quick hitters up the middle, and boom, just, I mean, he was outrunning everybody on the team, so 
Um, he doesn't make as many tackles as I'd like to see, obviously, and he needs to be more patient. Dan, you and I have talked about this before. He's kind of like a, a, a bullet out of a gun. He just kind of like gets the ball and just a lot of times will actually just run up into the back of the, uh, the blockers instead of actually trying to wait for the play to develop and using a little bit better vision. But just raw athletic ability and potential in the NFL, I think he could be a three-down back despite his size, and that's why I've got him ranked so high. Perfect. Awesome. Um, all right. How about you, uh, Josh, number four? Uh, well, I also have David Johnson at four. Um, I have seen the light. Nice. <laughs> uh, got a couple of compar- Vikings comparisons. I know Dan really wants him to wear purple, so let's keep it in there, right? Uh, I see a little Dave, yeah. Dave Osborne in him, uh, kind of in the hips. That's a really early 70s reference there. But I also see Chuck Former. That's that's the player. I, I've, it took me a while to figure out who I who I've who I can see out of this guy. And if you don't know who Chuck Foreman was, injuries probably prevented him from being one of the best running backs of all time. But he was he was a hell of a player for the Vikings in the 70s. Um, David Johnson, very smooth double threat. Tremendous player to audible with. He's got moves, more moves than any other back in this class. And like you guys said, he pissed on Iowa in that game. I mean, it wasn't even – it wasn't even fun for them. And like you said, with the very, very bad offensive line, he was just all over the place. Um, he does lack a little leg power when, he, when he's rushing up the middle, and I think he's going to need to bulk up to yeah. gain extra yardage. But, yeah, we're just nitpicking there. Uh, David Johnson, number four. Cool. Go, go into your number three, man. Uh, number three, I have Kevin Coleman. Uh, player comparisons, I got Marshall Folk and Edron James. I think – if I had to bet right now on which one of these rookie running backs is going to have the most carries year one, I think it's going to be Coleman. Obviously, player where they end up is going to be uh, really big towards that, too. But if I had to bet right now, I think it's going to be Coleman. I just think he's going to have that capability because he's going to be ready to go right away. The only thing more vicious than his cutbacks are the way he just destroys up the middle on the delayed handoff. Uh, you know, like we said, he's got that speed, but even on those delayed handoffs, oh, he's just zigzagging. I uh, love it. Uh, Coleman's also he's also kind of a between the tackles gimmick kind of runner. He's going to need to get a little stronger off the middle. And I I took Coleman in our in our in our mock that's going to be out here. And and I think it's this week, Dan. Maybe you can correct me, and you can read a little bit more on what I think of Kevin Coleman in that. Yeah, that's, I'm still not talking you because of that pick. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, go ahead into your three, uh, Bill. We share the same third, so you can just cover it. Okay. Uh, Jage, I, I mean, honestly, for me, I, he went ahead of Pullman just because of his size. Um, the guy, it's one word, he's explosive. If you look at his vert and his broad jump, I mean, they're near the top of the class. He's got really quick feet, another fluid runner, um, changes direction just with subtle hip movements. I mean, he, I think he grew up in England and played a lot of soccer when he was in England, so he really has just amazing, you know, hip-feet coordination. Um, he really gets small in the hole. He's got great leg drive and power. His weight actually does transfer to power. He's 220 pounds. And it's, you, some of these backs, bigger backs, they just don't look at this. Well, he really finishes runs. Um, he gets low at the point of attack. He works hard for extra yards. Uh, and then he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. In the old Miss game, I think it was, um, he must have had eight or nine catches. It was just ridiculous. He was uncoverable by linebackers. And just natural pass catcher plucks the ball out of the air with his hands. Um, the only thing I'm worried about with him is the fumbles. 
Um, I think he's had 10 or 11 fumbles in his career, which is under 600 carries. Um, he's also had a few injuries that are concerns and some character concerns in the past, um, some petty arrests and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I think his past pro needs a little bit of work as well. But, again, every one of these kids comes out raw in that area. But I think the guy, if he ended up on the right team, I'd love to see him go to the Colts. Um, for just some reason, I just think that's a natural fit. Um, but I just think that his total overall package between him and Coleman, they're so close on my board. But just recently, yeah, I've just moved a guy ahead. I just think he's a, a little bit more of a well-rounded running back and is built for a little bit longer career as opposed to Coleman. But love them both. Yeah, and I'm just going to touch on Ajayi, too, because I have him number three, too. And um, one of the things Josh brought up, uh, he's a little further back in your rankings, Josh, is, you know, how aggressively he runs. And I keep maintaining that, you know, this is a game of physics. You can either do the damage or you can take the damage. And and I believe Ajayi is the type of back with the force he creates with his size, six foot, buck, you know, 225. He's the type of guy who doles out the damage. You know who the perfect example of this is? And they're the backs that run forever, okay, between the tackles. Emmett Smith is the best back of all time when you talk about who did the damage versus who took the damage. Adrian Peterson is another example of that running back. You know, I think Marshawn Lynch is another guy who does the damage. He doesn't take the damage. And, you know, and so Ajayi is the exact same way, in my opinion. He has the opportunity to be the back who does the damage, who by the fourth quarter the, the safeties are going, oh, are you freaking kidding me? You know, like we still have to tackle this freaking moose. I mean, that's what we're – that's what we're dealing with with this guy, and that's why he has to be in the top three, in my opinion. His upside is too good. He is a truly legitimate, 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 without injury concerns, like, say, a guy coming off an ACL, who's probably our number one overall guy, right, who has a legit to be that workhorse guy. You're Eddie Lacy, you're, you're Marshawn Lynch, true running back number one in fantasy, and I think this guy – you know, carries very, very little risk. Um, all right, we're going to do uh, we're going to do our final two as normal. I'm going to change up wide receivers a little bit just so we can get through them all. We're just going to each rattle off our top ten after I play some really cool music, and then we're going to look for some uh, discrepancies in there, and we'll just talk about some of the outliers uh, with our our wide receivers rather than going through every one of them because we're just not going to have enough time. Um, and so. Uh, Hopefully you guys can adjust on the fly. But let's go into our number two. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we have any discrepancies here. Uh, Josh, why don't you tell us who your number two is? Uh, well, I think we are. I think you guys probably both have Gurley number one. I've got Gurley number two. Um, okay. Marcus Dupree is the, is the comparison I want to throw out there, the best that never was. Uh, I, I he, he runs with extremely good balance. And he, you know, he, which allows for great acrobatics, and he's got ankle bending cuts. But I, what, what I'm really concerned about is the knee. I mean, I know everybody's really high on this guy, but we need. I mean, he's trying to prove that he can come back from a knee injury, and he's making that step from the college level to the NFL level. And maybe you guys know a lot more about this than than I do. And and I, and I don't think it's you know Marcus Lattimore cal- caliber type of injury. 
but I just I'm very concerned about that. Uh, he he uses he he does use his body he does not use his body length near the goal line either, which is a little bit of a concern for me. And I think he's going to get needs to get more upper body strength. He he looks really strong in his legs, and maybe that's maybe that's bad because his arms just don't look that good compared to his legs. But that's just that's just how, where I am with with uh, Gurley. Go ahead. All right, perfect. Bill, who you got? Um, I've got Melvin Gordon at number two. I've got Gurley as my number one. Um, Gordon, just to – Josh pretty much hit on all the good positive things on oh, – I'm sorry, no, he didn't. I was reading it while he was talking. Anyway, um, he's got production <laughs> through the ceiling. I think he's got a seven – I'm in my own world. Um, he's averaging over seven and a half yards a carry the last two seasons. But um, you have to look at the offensive line in the scheme. This was a really good offensive line. Um, so I, Number one in the nation. Yeah, I really question his ability to run between the tackles consistently. Um, I think he tries to bounce it outside too often. I don't think, again, the size translates to power. I don't really see a lot of power in a lot of his running, although he does at times look good. Um, But, you know, I would have to say that the dominant offensive line had a huge uh, thing to do with it. And then one big thing that really stood out, besides the fumbles down the stretch last year, I think he had six in five of the final five games, um, was his nearly 20% stuff rate at the line of scrimmage. Now, someone with his athletic ability, that just proves everything we just said. He's indecisive when he runs between the tackles, and he tries to bounce it off outside. That causes a negative play. And in the NFL, you do that, you're going to see the bench a lot. I don't think he's a natural pass catcher either, Gordon. I think he fights to catch the ball. Um, He's worked on his receiving. He did much better at his pro day. Uh, but I think he's going to need a ton of improvement in his pass pro. Everybody compares him to Jamal Charles, but honestly, I just don't see it. I see some similarities, but it's hard to argue with the production. But, again, scheme and offensive line, I think, had a lot to do with it. All right. So you got him number one, Josh. Tell him, tell Bill why he's wrong. Uh, well, I think he's an excellent flasher when he's running the ball. I think he's able able to adjust well. I kind of like I like the 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 knees and the ankle bend there. I, I I do see what you mean about the stuff rate though, and that and that is concerning, especially with that good offensive line. But I think he's also maybe you know he's probably seen that enough too, where maybe he can hopefully adjust to that. Uh, very high tempo and efficient runner. Um, pass catching skills definitely not there. I I see a little bit of Ladainian Tomlinson. I'm not saying he's going to be Ladainian Tomlinson, but I just I see that in him and that's why I have him number one and that's why he intrigues me. I think he is is patient too, which I don't think he gets enough enough credit for. I think he is still a work in progress receiving. Um his quick burst to the outside, like Bill said, uh, could get him into trouble in the NFL. I think Bill said exactly that, but that's what I had written down. Um, and does not uh, often protect the ball with two hands when he's going down. And I think that's, like Bill said with the fumbling issues, that's a little bit of concern. But just the just the glimpses of LT I saw in his game are why I moved him number one, and obviously the girly injury is a, a concern for me when we're talking about legs on running back. Yeah, and just the glimpses of Adrian Peterson is why I have uh, uh, Todd Gurley at number one. Um, we're we're talking about two backs here that potentially have that once in a generation, you know, skill set. I I can't confidently say that with Melvin Gordon. I can unequivocally say it 100% confidently with Todd Gurley. There's just no question in my mind. Some may want to argue about it. I'll tell them I don't know what the hell you're looking at then, because the guy is truly the best well-rounded running back I've seen running in college in in a few years and. So he has that type of uh, 
he he has that type of ups, upside. He has, you know, that once every 10-year running back, Adrian Peterson type running back. Um, obviously, the knee is concerning, you know. Um, there's just no way around that. It, it really just comes down to how much weight you put on that is going to determine your you know, determine your rankings. I think that's the only thing you can debate about at this point. That's the only thing that would keep me from ever having Todd, you know, Todd Gurley <laughs> below Melvin Gordon. I, I just don't see the talent level or the upside as the same. Um, they're two very different runners. Um, and I agree with Bill. I think the, the offensive line had a huge role in it. Huge, 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 huge. His most his successful inside runs, if you look at what he's running through, it's crazy. It's like no one's on the field. I mean, he's running through hallways. You know, no one touches him until 12 yards down the field. So he may get that luxury in the NFL, but it's not likely. And so we just – it's tough to say. But I think you can't go wrong either way. You're just dealing with two different guys. All right, so if what we're going to do here, we're going to burn through this. Yeah. One quick thing on Gurley. Dan, can I just throw one quick thing in on Gurley? Um, 70% of his yep. yards came after contact. Um, it, the reports from Charles Davis at NFL.com are that Gurley is doing exceptionally well in his recovery from his knee injury um, and the scheme diversity of Gurley. He can play in a power run scheme or he can play in his own scheme. Those are the things that separate him clearly for me above Gordon. So, anyway, sorry, I had to throw my two cents in. Yeah, no, great stats. All right, so we're going to play some music. We're going to do the final countdown here, and we're going to run through our top ten wide receivers, and I'm just going to talk right over this. I will start with you, Bill, here in a second. Uh, we're just going to run right down our top ten. Then, uh, Josh, you can do yours, and I will do uh, mine, and then we will just look at a couple outliers, and then we'll have Bruce, our IDP guy, calling in in no time. All right. So any Arrested Development fans out there will appreciate that sound clip. All right. So, uh, Bill, go ahead. Who is your top ten? In uh, we're gonna we're not gonna talk about any of these. Just rattle them off. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, we'll do. Well, my ten is a log jam uh, because, like running back, my receivers are the same way. I'd rather have a a good-sized outside receiver than a productive slot receiver. So my 10 is a log jam of Philip Dorsett, Tyler Lockett, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Justin Hardy, all the slot guys who I would rather not draft and let somebody else take the low ceiling um, on the player. So he's my 10. Those are my 10. My 9 is Devin Smith just because of his downfield ability. My number uh, 8 is Sammy Coates, which is going to tie with Devin Funchess. Um, I have number seven is a, one you guys can rag on me for. It's Chris Conley from Georgia. I have him higher than everybody. Jalen Strong is my six. Uh, my number five is Brashad Perriman from UCF. I'm still mad. It's Drew Rosenhaus for denying me an interview, even though I live in Orlando and wrote him an email every day for 30 days. So if you're listening, Drew, I'm sure you are. I'm mad still. Um, anyway, Doral Green Breckham is my number four, and then Devontae Parker is three. My number two is Cooper, and my number one is Kevin White. All right, perfect. All right. Um, yep. Uh Josh, you're up, man. Okay, my number ten is Eric Hardy, and I really wanted to put him higher because I love this guy. Uh, but he's my definitive number ten as now as of now. Number nine I have Sammy Coates. Uh number eight I have Rashard Green out of Florida State. Love this guy. Uh number seven I have Doriel Green Beckham. I had him way higher and I 
I got some real concerns with him. Uh, we can get to that if you want. Jalen Strong, I have number yep. six. Another guy, another guy that I had higher that I, I had to drop. Uh, Tyler Lockett, I have number five. Number four, I have uh, Brashard Perryman. Number three, Devontae Parker. Number two, Kevin White. And number one, Amari Cooper. All right, we're not going to have a whole lot to talk about here. It seems like our rooks are pretty similar. Um, all right, my number 10 is Sammy Coates. Uh, number nine, Rashad Green. Number eight is Philip Dorsett, Miami. Number seven is Jalen Strong. Number six, Tyler Lockett. Number five, Rashad Perriman. Number four, Parker. Three, Beckham. Uh, two, Cooper. And number one is White. So the ones that stand out, uh, we're definitely going to want to get your take on um, uh, or, uh, Doriel Green-Beckham there, Josh, and it better be a lot more than just his off-field issues. Go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, a couple guys that I really wanted to put in my top ten. Uh, you have him were, seven, uh, right? You have him seven? Yep. Yep, I have. I wanted to get Conley in there, too, but I really like Vince May a lot of uh, – Washington State, too. I think he's a very intriguing prospect. Doriel Green-Beckham, all right. Pros, 6'5", 237, 4'5", speed. Check, 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 right? I think he's got very loose strides and helps helps him break away and can be a creative mismatch. Upper body strength is what, what, what really surprises me. I know he's a receiver, but he just doesn't look his size. The guy is 6'5", 237. He should be hitting safeties in their chest and knocking them on their butt. He does not want to block. You watch. When that play is ending, he has got his arms at his chest, arms at his side, and he's just looking back. The guy is 6'5", 237. I want to see more more of that physicality out of him. And, and yes, the off-field concerns are concerning, but uh, I, just, I don't think that he uses his size well enough. That is certainly something that can be coached. It's going to be, have to be maybe slapped out of him, but I, I just – I. I don't see – I think, you know, I've heard Randy Moss comparisons. I've heard Megatron comparisons. So I was ready to be wowed by this guy. Maybe I was too too, uh, too overly overly cautious when watching him. But I, I just – when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's going to be a crybaby. He's going to be T.O. And I, and I just don't – I don't like that at all. He, he needs to use his size, and I haven't seen that besides him jumping in the red zone to get all the glory and score the touchdown. That's all I want him for, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> me too. Um, I mean, if you if you draft him, he can block all you want, Josh. If I draft him, all I freaking want him to do is get the glory. Uh, but uh, uh, Bill, <laughs> uh, Bill, you and I have uh, uh, Beckham third, I believe, or you have him fourth. I have him third. Um, why don't you talk about Beckham and then talk about why you like Conley so much more than everybody? Okay. Um, to me, again, I'm, this, we're talking fantasy, so I don't have millions of dollars on the line like these owners do. But I, I'm not really worried about the character issues regardless because I think he's going to be value where he's drafted. I think he'll probably fall to the end of the first round in most dynasty leagues. Um, it's possible somebody could reach for him a little earlier. Um, but the talent and the raw freakish ability just you know, absolutely blinds me to the risk. Uh, 6'5", 237, runs 4'5", 40. Um, yes, Josh is absolutely correct. He is a prima donna. I want a prima donna, just like Owens and all those guys. They tend to have that attitude. I wish it was different. I don't like Dez. I didn't like Moss. I don't like Owens. That my ball attitude where they make an issue above the team, I hate that. But 
you know, again, the freakish ability. He's got 33-and-a-half-inch arms. He's got an amazing wingspan. Uh, the body control, the way he tracks the ball in the air, yes. I mean, it's all special talent. Yes. So, you know, that's, to me, it blinds me yeah. on everything else. Um, on that, I think a strong coach can make up for it. And his question is IQ on the field. Like Josh said, he looks lazy at times. But, um, you know, I, I just think he needs polish. But, boy, the physical talent is there. Yeah. Well, and I will yeah, say, too, I, I, I think, can't get over his natural. His natural ability is so apparent, it's ridiculous for the position. If you're talking about run blocking, nope, you're absolutely right, Josh. He is a, he is a prima donna. Um, but I just can't get over uh, there's one play in particular where he actually lays out in the back of the end zone. And he goes up for it, and I'm like, oh, you, yeah. just, you just you can't you can't teach that. You just yeah. can't. There's maybe nope. two people in this draft that can make that catch, and he made it look yep. easy, like easy, like oh, this is all you want me to do, you know? <laughs> and that's where you just you get intoxicated with that level of talent. At least I do. Absolutely. Go ahead, Josh. Retort. Well, well, I was just going to say, I mean, I totally agree with you on his, his fantasy value and his athleticism, and I think all these stuff can be corrected with the right coach, but I think with with the wrong match, with the wrong team, he's going to find himself in the doghouse, and, and we might never we might never see him be a, be a fantasy valuable player. I really see that as a, as a concern with that's a totally fair question or a fair point. And I mean, if he goes, you know, it, depending on where he goes, um, we just did a mock. Um, we're doing a mock in the DFW forums. Um, each member picked a team. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he actually goes. We're in the first round where I'm pick uh, 28. Uh, Jay is on the clock with Denver. But uh, the Baltimore Ravens were just on the clock a couple hours ago at 26. And Candyman took uh, Dereal Green Beckham out of Missouri. Um, there is an organization, I mean, I, it will be a little surprising if I see him go in the first round just because of those character concerns. It won't surprise me that much. The talent is clearly there. It's a total Randy Moss situation where without those off-field problems, he's a top four, you know, he's a top six pick in this draft. But, um, I mean, it, what if he landed in Baltimore, Josh? Where do you put him then? With that strong organization yeah, I, and that, the strong leadership, a, and that's a great, that's a great, that would be a great that would be a great spot for him. I think it'd also be a great spot for Jalen Strong, who I, who I love, but am a little bit low on right now too. Um, you know, and I think while we're doing the comparisons with DGB, I think my comparison that maybe hits him hits him right is uh, and, and certainly a guy that we can all attest to over the last handful of years here is Kenny Britt. All the all the talent sure. in the world, and just doesn't seem to get there. Yep, and that's the downside right there, for sure. Um, all right. Well, no. uh, Bill, let's go with uh, Connolly. Yeah, the segue was perfect. Talk about making plays. If you haven't seen the 2013 game, Georgia against Tennessee, when you have the time, put the game in and watch one of the first plays at DraftRaceTown.com you will see one of the best catches. And I wrote an article on this. I said it was a better catch than um, Odell <clears throat> Odell Beckham. I really, last year, I think the catch has is on so many levels. It's an athletic freak play. It's literally a 360 pirouette while laying out to catch it one-handed. Uh, anyway, but I digress. But if you have a chance, just look at that play. Then it'll make you want to look at more. Here's the basic, the nuts and bolts on this kid. Obviously, he set records at the combine, had one of the most explosive um, verticals I've ever seen. Literally looks like he launched from the earth. Uh, but <laughs> kid, 
production is limited um, because he plays for Georgia. Georgia and another receiver I reviewed was Waller from Georgia Tech. These teams are in run-first offenses, so his production and his role is extremely limited. Um, but he has elite size, speed numbers. I mean, runs four three five six two two thirteen. Um, and what he doesn't get credit for, and I don't think enough people have watched, but I'm, again, concerned because I'm only I'm seeing it. I mean, Cosell and Mayock don't see it and haven't said it because I'd, I'd rather go on their opinion than mine. But I'm going to stick to it. He really does understand route running. He sets up these PBs. He gets on their toes quickly, gets them to make bad decisions with their feet and hips, and exploits them. So I know he doesn't have the most explosive numbers as far as his 20-yard uh, cone and 60, but if you know what, if you can set up players just like Jerry Rice, if you can run a good route, you can easily gain separation by setting up the corner. And I see when I watch Conley, I see that continually. If you watch his games, you'll see the corners that are covering him doing 360 pirouettes because he got him to turn the wrong way and they're blown off the line almost immediately and he just runs by him. I think in the right offense, I think he literally has the potential to be a borderline number one receiver down the line or certainly a good complement receiver um, that can run the underneath routes and just has so much to offer for a team. And his sideline awareness and body control, I mean, the more you watch this kid, the more you'll like of him. So I do have a man crush as a disclosure on this guy, but I think he does not get the credit he deserves. And I think he need to, everybody needs to go back and watch some of the game film on him because he really is an advanced route runner, and he will get separation in the NFL because of that. Nice. Awesome. Bill, we're going to we're gonna end it up? right there so we can at least give uh, uh, Bruce – you know, his 20 minutes of uh, IDP fame here. Um, we're going to uh, – you guys can stick around. If you have any questions for Bruce, feel free. If you got to go, you got to go. I want to thank Bill and Josh for dropping their rookie knowledge on us. It's amazing how fast two hours goes by. Uh, <laughs> next time we're just starting with running backs and wide receivers, you know. Um, and, I think uh, we could just have a wide receiver show. Yeah, really. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We might have to come back and actually do that after the draft in that type of format. Um, I'm going to sure. welcome on. Thank you guys very much. Um, I'm welcoming on uh, Bruce Kimbrough, um, our IDP, one of our resident IDP experts at DFW. He's the mock master of Fat Cat's <laughs> mock drafts. If you're not in them, you better ask somebody. He's got one going. He's got at least six going on right now. I guarantee it. Bruce, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. Me? We're rattling. We're rattling off rookies like crazy, I, I know. man. It's great. You, you guys have been incredible. Um, I'm not quite as verbally expressing about uh, all the players, what they do, what they can't do, one thing or another. I'm pretty much, I guess, out here I was uh, on a ranch in the, in the dairy business, pretty much. Uh, uh, meat and potatoes, and and uh, getting to the blood thing. Either they can play or they can't. Their feet are they can't cross over their feet. They have they they're not light on their feet. So uh, the biggest thing is, is can they make a tackle? Can they cover people? And can they hand, hold a position in the line to shed blocks and different things? I don't care what other people think about them. Perfect. I like it. Then you're just the man for the job. Sent me your updated rankings uh, yesterday, I believe. And uh, I don't know how much time we're going to have. Let, well, I don't since most most standard uh, you know drafts are uh, or uh, leagues are twelve deep. Um, that's that would be considered a standard league. Why don't we try to get in uh, your top twelve and uh, tell us um, you know tell us your top twelve 
and just a little bit about what you like about each one of them. Uh, okay, my first one is probably he's it, becoming actually my one of my favorite uh, players in the draft. There's a few of them through there. Um, I have a the, the, to uh, uh, before I start in. I don't watch college football. I when I used to do the draft shows and stuff before, I'd come in at the, after they were drafted, almost when the draft was come up, and I would read what people are doing and watching films. And, and different things, and I just I, I for some reason I have uh, I played a defensive linebacker. Uh, I graduated high school in 1970, and I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and I was six foot one. I weighed two thirty five when I went to Cal Poly to play uh, linebacker in 1970, bigger than most NFL linebackers. But anyway, uh, I I love the IDP and I love the defense, and so I love people that have heart and can play well. And and this is Oe Digazua. Uh, he's uh, some people. I just wanted to make you say his name. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of the new names. I have a problem. I I I agree. I have a problem with, and my memory is very short. I remember faces, everything else out here. I have the worst memory in the world, but I know who I'm talking about and everything. When we had the couch for 25 years, numbers up. I I'm a little bit uh, uh, about mixing uh, numbers up, and I have the numbers mixed up. But yet I know what the cow looks like and what she does and what she gives. And anyway, long story short, uh, <laughs> I uh, love this guy. He's got a nonstop motor. He reminds me of one guy, and people say, he, well, he's really not an edge rusher. Some people will say he's an edge rusher, more of a DE. Uh, it's because he reminds me a little bit of Haley in a raw form, in which uh, Haley played for the 49ers and the Cowboys. And I love Haley, and I got to meet uh, Haley um, when he played for uh, the Niners uh, there, I got to meet quite a few of the 49ers. A buddy of mine did the photographer for him. So he is really raw talent. This guy has a great first step, long arms. If you see him rushing and going around people, where I like it, he'll be going around and he's got that reach where he reaches out and all of a sudden he grabs the shoulder pads or something to disrupt if he doesn't take him down the quarterback from uh, uh, getting his uh, uh, knocking his rhythm off. I really love him. Um, the guy is relentless when he's out there playing. He's had a couple of knee surgeries, didn't play in 2013, came back in 2014. But uh, I just really love the upside of this guy. I, I think when somebody gets him, he's going to be a gym. He'll go definitely probably in the second day. Uh, but I just love this and guy. And I think – go ahead. And that's uh, Odigiz – how do you pronounce his last name? <laughs> Odigizua. Old Jigazua from UCLA. Yeah. From UCLA. We're yeah. gonna trust you. All right. We're gonna trust you on that. Okay. <laughs> okay. And 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 my and my number. Uh, he's number thirteen, actually. My number 11. twelve is eleven. My number. Excuse me. I I've got it mixed up here. My number eleven is. I'm gonna call him Alvin Dupree because this guy is Bud. He's not Bud to me yet. I've heard a lot about him and I read a lot about him and then I started watching films and where everybody else has got him ranked and I got him ranked. It's totally different right now. And I think he's really raw. Uh, he's big. He's fast. He's got a great burst around there. Uh, he can cover. Uh, he's, I think he's got some great skills as an edge rusher. Uh, but one thing, he, he takes bad angles on, on going on people. He needs to work on his hands at grabbing people. And, and, and this guy right here, I called him a Fergazi. I don't know if you know the, the term Fergazi. <laughs> nope. You know, uh, <laughs> this is from Donnie Brasco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Bill, maybe, because, Bill, do you know what? 
Oh, yeah, Fugazi, a fake diamond is what I know it is. Yeah, exactly right. If the guy thinks it's a diamond, but he goes, oh, it's a beautiful one, and he goes, it's a Fugazi. In other words, it, he thinks it's something, but it's really not. Well, uh, uh-huh. I think this guy can develop, but immediate right now, I think he needs a lot of work myself, and I got him at number 11. Uh, I've got Shane Ray. Right. Uh, he's another outside uh, edge rusher from uh, Missouri. Uh, I like this guy a lot. He's also got some work to do. Other people have him rated up higher in their draft and where he's going to go. But uh, he's got great hands, uh, good feet. Um, he's got a great first step. He covers really well. Uh, and uh, he's a – He's a player. He he's there on every uh, down and every play. He's he's there, but he has a tendency to uh, overrun some of the uh, 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 the spots he's he's heading for and overrun them in, in the pursuit. And one thing he does is his hands. He needs work on his hands because he gets caught up with a guy and too much hand play. Whereas I was a linebacker uh, my whole uh, career in football. And one thing you do is don't let the guy get your feet or don't let the guy tie your hands up. You've got to keep pushing off or you've got to have the upper advantage. So he really needs work on that. Uh, the next number nine is Danny Shelton, which uh, I think down the road for a DT, he really holds that front line strong, athletic, dominates the run and block, plays off players, uh, uh, deals well with double teams. Uh, that's very important in that DT uh, area, nose tackle area. And I really think that uh, the, the guys who get him, uh, the team that gets him is really going to uh, uh, do well. Because he he, when he's in there, he controls the space and he knows what he has to do uh, on that part. So, and he's uh, uh, 339 pounds and something like that. So Ooh. he is a good, solid guy to uh, uh, hold his spot. Uh, sometimes he looks the people get a little bit to his body. Um, and effort. And uh, one thing, the biggest thing with him, he's got to make sure he's in a pretty decent weight right now is not to get too heavy. And I'm sure the NFL nowadays, they used to let him go get overweight and one thing. Uh, but I think they're going to, he needs to control his weight so he can keep uh, uh, that speed that he has right now. Um, the next one is one of my favorite here. And I think he is the best linebacker in the group here. And I think that uh, he's even going to climb higher and, and uh, definitely uh, I think he might even be a little bit of his brother, is Eric Kendricks from UCLA inside linebacker. He's got a, a great side-to-side, sideline-to-sideline movement and fluid, very fluid about him. He moves across the sidelines very easily and keeps people away from his body and his feet. And if he does get knocked down, he rolls back up and, and keeps going. He's not one of the guys you get roll on him when I sit there and – and the play goes by, and he, he's always uh, trailing the play or taking He's a great ball hawk. Uh, he reads the quarterback well. He'll, he'll watch the quarterback in his eyes. He reads the quarterback well in his eyes and, and can anticipate and get a jump on the ball or, or, the, or sometimes the, also the option or one thing or another to hand off. Uh, does a great job on the run. Uh, got a good burst, quick, covers, tackles well. Um, and he plays. One thing good about I like about him too. Some of the other linebackers don't play, but he's a good physical playing linebacker. And you need that as a linebacker. You've got to have that toughness as a linebacker. And, and unlike some of the other linebackers and, and some of the uh, ones that are out of my top uh, 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 linebacker, like like Shane Thompson, I think he plays well. But he's a little bit light and and, and really is a, a safety more or, or on that part uh, than a linebacker. So. 
anyway, that was uh, Kendrick. And one thing, uh, let's see what I got here. Landon Collins uh, is my number seven, the safety. I love this guy. The next two guys, I just, I think these guys are, you know, people say, you know, not drafting uh, 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 D50 backs. Well, fantasy is one thing, and, and, and real NFL is another. But for real NFL, Landon Collins and my uh, number six is Trey Wayne are just excellent. Landon Collins is a, a, a physical, big, big safety, uh, the best safety in, in the draft. He, uh, I call it, he stocks the receiver and the ball. I mean, that's what he is out there. He's really vigilant uh, on uh, where the ball is at all times, covers really well. I call him a great center fielder sitting out there and, and, and knowing where the ball might go and, and reading the quarterback's eyes. And, and one thing, a terminology uh, I came across and I like, and he's a true sheriff of the run in there. In other words, he really controls that that line of scrimmage and comes up and makes that tackle. And he's a good tackle and uh, does well. Some of the things, like his hands aren't so good. He worked on that. He dropped some of the balls. Uh, he would have had more interceptions. Um, uh, he gives up a little bit of uh, too much, to, I think, for his speed and recovery time, uh, a gap between him and the receiver. But otherwise, uh, he he is uh, uh, by far uh, heads above the, the uh, other safety, in my opinion. And Trey Wayne, <clears throat> he's short period of time uh, playing, but he's an excellent, excellent cornerback uh, uh, and the best cornerback in the, in the group. Uh, and I call him, he's a, when, he, when he recovers the guy, uh, we were watching movies, me and my wife, and uh, uh, the, the, the Snake Eyes, or trying to think of that movie with the guy was in, and it comes on. Anyway, I started watching the film, for some reason it stuck in my head. I said, this guy goes Snake Eyes when he's one-on-one with people. He looks at the receiver's eyes, and it's, he won't look at the ball, won't look at the quarterback. He's looking as he covers the wide receiver as he's going down the field. And he can tell when that receiver's going to, when the ball's coming by his eyes and his reaction, his eyes, he turns and turns his head and makes great plays. Uh, uh, on the ball and, and uh, doesn't get called for a lot of pass interferences. He's only had two touchdowns in the last two seasons uh, 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 against him. Uh, so and he recovered. He's got great recovery time if he le- leaves a little bit of a, uh, room between him. And he's another Rebus Island there. Uh, he loves playing out there and is excellent playing on the island. Uh, it closes gaps well. Uh, he can work a little bit on his short coverage. He gives a little bit too much in short coverage. He should let uh, uh, on that part. He's got the speed and everything to do it. He did, he needs to do it. And his biggest letdown is he, he grabs too much. In the NFL, they're not going to let him play handsy-handsy like that. He'll get some penalties caught on him uh, on that part. And one thing, too, about Landis calling to us, and I forgot to say, he's a great. He mirrors uh, uh, the route runners, and so does Wayne, too. They mirror the route runners when they run. They know their route sometimes better than the route runner runs up. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, the, the next uh, one, number five, is Eric Armstead. You're doing great, man. Of, you got a, you got about a minute on each of them. Sorry to give you okay. such short time, but you are just tearing oh, through them. Okay. okay. Eric Armstead, and my wife always says, you just talk to much. Nobody can stop and get a word in edgewise. So I guess that's a good thing right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, Eric Armstead, defensive tackle, defensive end for Oregon. This kid is is great. Uh, this guy's got uh, uh, plenty of growth. He's a big, big, big uh, uh, DN, DT. He can play any position across the line there. Great size, 
uh, uh, he can bulk up and even get bigger, uh, heavier, and carry his weight because of the size in his frame. Uh, he knows his responsibility in that line. He's another one of those guys that knows what he has to do and where the ball's going. And when 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 they're they're shooting a gap or whatever gap he has, his responsibility. Also, he can move across and help other people out. And that's why he's just not guarding his, taking care of his and, and uh, managing his space. He can help other people too. Exploding out the block, pushes the blockers back in the backfield, uh, sheds blocks real well. Uh, one thing, one one negative a little bit to him, and he is so big anyway, but maybe not to play so tall or get his hands out a little, a little more and get down a little bit lower on him and work uh, uh, that part and work on some of his moves which they'll do in the NFL. Uh, uh, the, when he's when he's rush, actually rushing the passer and doing the bull rush through the middle. Uh, number four is Vic Beasley, a three-four uh, outside linebacker, edge rusher from Clemson. Uh, I think this guy is uh, is definitely it. I think he's the top uh, one of the top edge rushers. If it's not the top, it's just whoever your flavor is right here. Uh, always uh, gets great uh, first step off the ball right there, and when the ball snaps, he's off it. It doesn't matter sometimes with the, um, your first step, you got a great first step, but it's the ball snaps and people are starting to move, and you got a great first step, well, you're already lagging behind already. But he has anticipation of the ball, played well off the ball, and, and with that first step too. Very fluid with feet and hips. He uh, uh, can uh, uh, has that uh, burst that he can close a gap. Uh, good hands, uh, uh, good moves, uh, spin moves and everything. Work a little bit more on that technique. Uh, one thing going for him, he's got shorter arms and can't reach out like some like Armstead, and you got uh, Oziggy uh, there, so he he has a problem with that. And also sometimes he gets hung up on shedding blocks when he wants to push off and go somewhere. Uh, uh, he, he needs to work that with his hands and, and with his handwork and stuff like that. That will help him. Uh, number three is uh, Randy Gregory. I moved him down with the drug test, failed drug test, and one thing or another, but I think. Whoever gets in is going to be a, they're going to get a gym. Some of the people will say, well, one thing or another, but because uh, of drug tests. But I think they're going to, to put him in line myself. That's what a feeling I have. And so this guy's got great speed, fluid, especially lateral speed across the, the line of scrimmage, losing one way there if he has to move. Plugs gaps really well. Uh, great hand, use of hands. Uh, he can cover. Uh, he, he, uh, uh, he, one thing he does do with negative things up. He gets to let the guy get in a little too close to him. He's got to keep him away from him and let him get tied up there, and then uh, he misses the tackle when he pushes off his little too late. So he's got to watch that. Uh, uh, one thing, he's got a little bit of lack of, of vision where the quarterback is, but maybe that's going to be turning to uh, watching the quarterback eyes and where the ball's going to go and what's going to happen. Uh, number two, Dan Fowler, Jr. He's a, a 3-4 edge rusher also. He's from Florida. Motors are running. This guy's going always around with the ball tapping, and always when uh, uh, when it ends up, he's there somewhere next to the pile. Explosive, uh, an open field. I mean, he just uh, he's got that a nice burst. He can catch up. Long arms, uh, prototypical type of guy you want for your for your edge rusher. Can play anywhere across the line. He's a he's a ball hawk. As I said, he's always watching where the ball's going, so he's there, uh, uh, and he covers well. Seventeen needs to work on his pass rush. Needs a few more moves and that thing, but that that will come with the NFL. And a little bit inconsistent stopping uh, some of the downhill runners coming through. And they got some, like you guys were saying, they got some great running back downhill runners that they were the, the fireballs, uh, bowling balls that would come through the line. So he needs to work on that myself. 
a number one in the draft, and I think he will be, is Leonard Williams, DTDM. This guy's big, strong, everything you want. Uh, one of those guys, you know, that you come across only a few every year if you're lucky, or maybe one every two years in draft. Uh, this guy's just got it all. He's uh, lines up anywhere across the line, great hands. Always staying on feet if he gets knocked off is one thing or another. He gets back up and keeps moving. Great balance. A center balance on him. Knows where the ball is. Shed blocks really, really well. Uh, and um, he's got uh, in, in, in his edge rush and stuff like that, if he gets free, he's got that burst. He can get to that quarterback uh, fast. I mean, as far as this guy, there's really no negative. There's a few you can, you can nitpick on, but this guy is just going to – he's going to start day one. KJ Watt, a thing up the center, you Wait, know, uh, pushing people. That, yeah, that was amazing, Bruce. Talk about meat and potatoes in 20 Holy minutes or man. less, man. Congratulations, that was impressive. I'm not even going to play outro music on that. I'm just going to let everybody go to DFW Dynasty Football Warehouse. Thank you, everybody, so much for their contribution. Well, thank you for having me on. <laughs>